from the Ryukyu Kingdom of Okinawa, Japan. You are listening to the Shima Gaijin Podcast with your host, Joe Isamu Davis. This episode is produced by our patrons on Patreon. Stacy Bell, Kazu Davis, Tato Brewer, and Daniel Olson. If you would like to be a producer of the Shima Gaijin Podcast, go to the Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Shima Gaijin Podcast. Become a producer by contributing each month and you will receive public recognition on each episode as a producer of the podcast. Please give a rating of the podcast and don't forget to share and to follow on social media. In today's episode, I am joined by my friend Nathan Kern. Nate and I got together this last Saturday afternoon to catch up with one another over some good, delicious beers. As you can see, the title of the podcast is titled The Light Bulb Bandit Returns. We briefly talk about the name and the story behind it, but if you are curious and want to know more about the story, I have provided the link to a podcast, ep- podcast episode that we did together a couple years ago. You can find that link. In the show notes below. It's a great story. It's a great show. I encourage you to check it out. Enjoy this episode. Thanks for joining me. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Thanks for having me, Joe. <laughs> it's been a long time, brother. Yeah. Hey, no pressure. This episode is following the Marty Malloy episode. So, you know, you can tell me all about your uh, Olympic wins and yeah, not, and, I'm not quite an Olympian. You know how you went through adversity and all that in your life. No, don't have any kind of a resume like Marty Malloy. Don't don't measure up to her accomplishments. That's for sure. Well, I'm glad you said you enjoyed that the episode because, like I said before, I was I thought it was really good. Like fucking you know, nervous, man. As somebody who does this as a complete amateur and hobbyist, it was uh, very interesting hearing her perspective as yeah. a you know professional athlete just fascinating it's i i don't know how you can perform at that level you know i i get nervous competing against three people you know three other hobbyists at a local competition so can't even fathom the uh the level it takes to go to the olympics yeah i mean and to do it for so long until i think she was like 30 yeah which is crazy Right. And then, you know, to think she she's about our age, right? And then talking about oh being retired and you know, still still training just like not not quite at the same yeah. same level. I was excited when she said uh that she's maybe even thinking about doing jujitsu because she's kinda tired of being thrown around. Yeah. Yeah. I mean I think that's where <laughs> on a long enough time scale, that's where everyone goes, right? Is jujitsu. Like <laughs> it's miserable being thrown yeah. on your head. I want to lay on my back, not yeah. be thrown on my back. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That's one of the things I enjoy too is, yeah, I don't have to take that impact anymore. And I my feet can't keep up. Join join the dirty butt scooters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you ever seen that one, uh, was it like a real quick uh, video of, who's that guy from uh, from Australia? Funny dude, jujitsu guy. Uh, not Craig Jones? No, no, Lachlan no. Giles? no. no. Fuck, what's his name? He did like real funny videos back. This is before Craig Jones. Uh-huh. I forget his name. 
He was on Metamorphs. He lost to Gary Tunnan. Anywho, I know who you're talking about. It was like about, the meme yeah. video where he's like, it says uh, how to beat someone on the streets or something. And he drops down. The guy's like, you want to fight? He's like, hell yeah. And he drops down. He starts butt scooting towards him. He's like, what the hell are you doing? Runs away. Yeah, I forget the guy's name. The He has an instructional called Whole Lot of Plotas. Trains with, uh, he's good buddies with Keenan. But there's a famous like viral competition video that comes up on Reddit all the time. He's like inverting, scooting towards the guy on his shoulders and then he triangles him like three seconds later but everyone's like this is why jujitsu wouldn't work in the streets oh well he's he's the guy who he, he stacks himself yeah yeah and comes like yeah. towards oh that's him what's his name I, i'm drawing a blank uh some yeah I, for, I forget what his name is oh something something polish sounding i want to say but he's an american like, oh, okay yeah okay yeah um keenan cornelis he's taking up some judo too yeah, I saw that he got promoted to green belt Ooh. or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> some belt that Japan doesn't recognize, right? You uh, do you follow that guy on Instagram named Dom? It's his handle's Dubious Dom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you seen his uh, transition in judo? No. Like it just or not? I wouldn't say transition. His progression in judo has been uh, awesome to watch. He's been doing it for a couple of years. Recently, got his black belt. <clears throat> I like his jujitsu style. He's an Atos guy. Yeah, I I just saw a video on Reddit of uh, some stuff he was working yesterday. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. I didn't know he was uh, doing judo. Yeah, he's uh, he's added that to his game. Um, he, I think he's been training at that studio, five forty. Yeah, fifty four or oh yeah, five forty. Five forty. Right? Yeah, five something. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's uh, it's absolutely. The the main failing of jujitsu is because of the rule set, people don't stand up. And I mean, I'm I'm as uh, <laughs> I'm as susceptible to that as anyone, right? I hate I hate yeah. being on my feet. I have no stand up game whatsoever. You know, I guess that's coming to a sport like this in your 30s. It's very hard to keep up with people who wrestled in high school and did all kinds of uh, other other stand up. You know, people such as yourself who have. 30 years of judo experience, some wrestling experience as well. Like I can't compete on that level at all. The feet, the feet is very difficult. Yeah. It's, it's like learning how to do fucking figure skating <laughs> at that age. Right. And you're in your mid to late thirties trying to learn something like that. It's so technically difficult. Right. No one, I can't think of any sport where middle-aged people <laughs> start and actually, you know, perform at a, some sort of decent level. Right. Like, yeah. No one, no one starts figure skating in in their thirties or forties. Uh, I'm definitely starting to feel my age now. I, um, you know, we got these these new guys who will show up to the dojo, and some of them have wrestling, you know, background experience. Maybe they wrestled in high school. They just got out of high school, and they're in the Marine Corps, and they're just so quick, so fast. And I'm like, I can feel it now. I'm like one or two seconds behind, but I know enough to neutralize the situation. I had a guy try to sh- like fa- faint, like he was going to shoot on me, and I literally like two seconds later reacted to it. You know what I mean? Like I almost fell on my face. I I sprawled two seconds later, but yeah, kind of forces you to um, change your perception of the game, yeah, or approach the game differently. Definitely, I just like try and grab a neck and uh, you know make them regret shooting on me and <laughs> hopefully land on my butt. Without uh, without it being too hard, and dude, go from I hate there. I I you have that body type of jujitsu that I fucking hate so much. I love you though, <laughs> Lo- love you too. Much much love from uh, from me as well. 
You, you're, you, I mean, you're, that's why, why I prefer Nogi with you because yeah, no one ever breaks those grips of yours. <laughs> it's like you, you pass to my right side, you get a grip around my collar. It's like, there's nothing I can do here. This is miserable. Yeah. I can't, I can't slow down the game with you. You have this arsenal like of being able to take my back. And then from there I'm, I'm in trouble and I can only stay relaxed and just try to like have you make a mistake vice have myself make a mistake like i don't know what it is like you have this way where you can like grab my hand or my wrist and i cannot get away from that and then from there it's like slowly you start sinking in a rear naked choke or you get that body triangle it's it's super frustrating man i i tried but it's also you know very frustrating trying to attack you your your defense is very tight and maybe it's just my big hands that's why i can get a <laughs> big hands are yeah. in the way yeah keep it up buddy yeah <laughs> but it's uh yeah it's always a pleasure to uh learn from someone you know of your caliber and get to train with someone like good you. train yeah good train return of the light bulb bandit yeah i've been staying out of make mans and luckily staying out of uh trouble and police attention at no, least since the last uh last I gotta, time we're i on. gotta figure no one knows who the light bulb bandit is unless you're a follower yeah. of uh the half breed podcast or of me um <clears throat> But I got to figure out a way to uh, post that on uh, somewhere where someone can like listen to the Light Bulb Bandit episode and they can yeah. listen to this. Yeah, I guess the the 32nd version is, you know, <laughs> I, I mistakenly return light bulbs to uh, Make Man and they, yeah, they return light bulbs that I brought as an example to the counter, reported me to the police and then the financial crimes division of the, I think it was Okinawa City Police Department investigated me. <laughs> And nearly arrested me. I was exonerated from all charges. And, uh, of how much? 3,000 yen? Yeah, some 3,800 yen, something like that. Less than 4,000 yen. And Japanese tax dollars right. being put to work. Right. Catching I, the big, tall guy, Gene. I don't know if you saw in the news recently, but Japan, who rarely imposes the death penalty, the definitely the last people that they put to death were Aum Shinrikyo, the, uh, the Japanese terrorist group that used uh, sarin nerve gas in the subways in like the 90s. Yeah, 94, like 95, yeah. something like that. So they just, before the new emperor uh, came in, put several of them to death. Uh, previous to that, though, it's been years, I believe, since they've used actually used the death penalty. They just uh, had a death penalty case with a Was Yakuza it? boss. Yes, and in then the 70s the, or something, right? Yeah, yeah, old, and he had had <laughs> several rather random innocent people killed i think uh which was why they resorted to the death penalty and then he threatened the judge on his sentencing he said you'll be sorry for this so that's uh that's interesting (laughs) very and you know for people like us who live in japan it's it's you know i i'm not I have no no purview no no visibility on that sort of crime japan seems like probably the safest country in the world to us right right yeah and uh yeah then to know that there's guys like that running around is pretty pretty crazy there was another uh death penalty case a couple months ago i want to say with an elderly lady you know do you know what i'm talking about no no she apparently was hooking up with guys and then basically taking all their money and then poisoning them oh wow yeah and then they finally caught her and then they gave her the death penalty. I know there was the case in Sagamihara where the uh, this guy worked at a, not a retirement home, but it was like a disabled home. 
and he went in and killed something like 30 or 40 people one night, uh, just stabbed him, pulled their oxygen off, you know, went crazy. And then he's like, oh, I was doing a favor for the family because all these people are a burden. This was when? Uh, maybe five years ago. Really? I, I don't think he got a death. I don't think he got the death penalty though. I believe they just said he's crazy. Did you uh, hear that story about the, uh, in Vietnam, oh, no, 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 Thailand. In Thai, there was this uh, head of police. Is He's on the loose right now, but they're trying to find him. He's wanted. Apparently, him and his guys were, uh, they caught some dr- drug trafficker guy. And then they basically beat the shit out of him and put a plastic bag over his head. And <laughs> and then I think they actually, they, they killed him. I don't know if it was on purpose or if it was on accident, but now they're, they're after him. They're, they're it was in the news uh, maybe two days ago or something like that. It's, I I just saw, I guess, uh, one of the po- most popular jujitsu gyms, I want to say in Hanoi, one of the youngest members murdered a guy on a scooter right outside the gym, like rear naked choked him to death, stole all his shit, put his stuff, like took the guy's stuff, like his wallet and things, put it in his, his locker at the gym. Holy and shit. then it came out that... Uh, you know, they're investigating it, found out it's in the gym. And I guess it was just a really toxic gym environment with, uh, there were some Japanese people, I guess, really racist against other Asians in there, belittling people. And it sound, sounds just crazy. I guess that's the big thing that's happened in jujitsu in the last month too, is like the, the me too movement has really, you know, come home with all these, uh, yeah. toxic gym cultures. There was a, um, something going around in social media and, you know, I, I hear things, but I don't know the whole story of what's going on. But wasn't there something going on with Cyborg's gym or Cyborg's, uh, one of his pupils? Is it? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I think we know someone who trains at, trained at fight oh, sports. Oh, really? And, oh, uh, oh. He, t- he terrifies me. So I'm not going to, oh, okay. uh, to get into that. Is that what you were talking about, though, as far as the Me Too well, movement? That, that was or? one of them. Um, Jamie Kilstein, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Comedian, He's, right? Yeah, comedian, okay. right? He's been on Joe Rogan. So he had just been on the uh, oh, Jiu-Jitsu Metal or BJJ Metal Models podcast. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. It's a really, really good podcast. Uh, they have a lot of people on there, but Jamie Kilstein was on it. And then right after that, I so I guess to go back maybe two months ago, you know, I, Jamie Kilstein's feed came up and I'm like, oh, this guy's pretty funny. Who, who is he? And then I looked a little bit into it and there's a lot of sexual harassment allegations against him. He was married, I guess, allegedly in an open, open marriage that seems like most open marriages, his wife didn't know about it. And, uh, then is that considered an open marriage? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think that's how it's supposed I think to we work. We just right. call that cheating. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if my wife's listening, that's yeah. He's no. he's not listening. No, that's uh, yeah. I I've never met someone who actually has an open marriage like that. It's normally just like what my wife doesn't know doesn't matter. So, uh, either way, he's <clears throat> was out on the road doing comedy tours, like sleeping with girls, and then uh, he has he has two podcasts. One's like Rear Naked Radio, I think, and the other's uh, like a fuck-up's guide to self-help. But mm-hmm. he admittedly has some mental issues, but it was very clear that... So it came out on Reddit that he was coaching at a gym in LA, and he had he's a 
purple or brown belt from Mar- Marcelo Garcia, you know, at MG Academy or whatever in New York, which, you know, what, what great people coming out of that gym, him, uh, Dylan Danis, <laughs> right? So he got kicked out of Marcelo's for whatever reason. I don't know the story behind that, but he went to LA and then was trying to get one of the females he was coaching or training with to leave her husband for him. And, uh, then the, you know, the wife told the husband, Hey, like Jamie won't leave me alone. He's harassing me. He's texting me like all kinds of craziness. And so it came out, he got fired from there and now he's in Austin, Texas with a 10th planet. So I don't know, but he got, he got me too. They actually pulled the BJJ mental models, uh, podcast episode and put up a new like six minute thing explaining that there's allegations uh against him and they don't want to give him a platform to talk but that's that's okay they don't want to give him the platform well that's like me pulling the episode on uh, jp or somebody yeah probably (laughs) you know i guess uh, yet another thing better left uh not spoken about right but i think Ryan Hall, when when all of the rape allegations came out against, uh, I forget the who was the the big gym that Ryan Hall trained at, Keenan Cornelius trained at, um, oh, Team Lloyd Irvin, Lloyd right? Lloyd Irvin, yeah, yeah the so, Renegade, yeah. So buy my book, <laughs> buy my book for free. Learn how to be a jujitsu expert. I got my black belt in three years. Yeah, so yeah. All, all that's before my time, so I, I don't really know about that. But, you know, uh, Ryan Hall wrote a really good article about basically uh, understand that just because someone is really fantastic at jujitsu, they're not a guru. You know, they're not your life coach. They, they're they just another person that fucks up and makes mistakes and does things. I guess the problem is is when you put, when you put a horrible person and then you give them the physical skills to uh, kill people, You know, it's not a good power relationship there. Uh, So on that same BJJ Mental Models podcast, they came out with a new episode with, uh, what's her name, Erica Kwan? She's one of the, like, most senior female black belts in North America. I want to say she lives in Vancouver. But she had stories about when she started, there was, like, a blue belt who would pin her down and, you know, like, poke – poker with his penis and it just like crazy crazy stuff that goes on and uh how you know she had to have teammates like protect her but imagine if you're you're in an environment like say we're training at fight sports and you got cyborg and uh who's the who's the other guy that just had the match against gordon ryan uh six months ago maybe oh at who's number one um but those are two terrifying human beings. Like if you came to me and where you're like, that guy touched me in a bad place. Like, you know, they're like, I better have a machine gun because there's, there's nothing I can physically do to protect someone against someone with that skill of uh, combat sports. Yeah. True. True. Jamie Kilstein, um, even before he started jujitsu, I think he, he had a bad, a bad rap too. Um, he was one of those guys who was always, uh, like a beta male always hanging out with women trying to protect them and stuff like that. And there well, was something that happened and they turned on him. At yeah. One so point. that I think I, this all came about, he he's been training for a long time. I want to say 10, 11 years, something like that. But that all, I know he was on Joe Rogan to talk about how he had sort of been canceled, 
but he was now he's hanging out with all like the the vet bros and all these people that are in Austin uh, and loves to talk about, oh, I'm still a liberal and, you know, I believe in equality and these things, but I'm, I'm good buddies with, uh, Dan Kennedy, you know, who it's like, I think thinks the election was stolen and all of this other craziness. I don't know the world, the world's turned it. I don't know if it's COVID or not, but the world seems like it's turned upside down lately. And it's, it's very hard to find people you can uh, morally model your life on, if if that makes any sense. It makes sense. yeah perfect sense. You think it's just because of social media and the internet, and there's just so much out there now. Yeah, it, I mean everyone everyone wants to be cool on social media. They want followers, and that that gives a platform to these people that are you know very fit and very very cool looking, right? But being fit and cool and good at jujitsu doesn't mean you're a good person. Yeah, and I I know we've talked about it before too. But I'm I'm terrified to look at the situation in the U.S. and how masks have become such a contentious political situation. Even even Trump was booed recently when he suggested people go get the vaccine, and uh, that's that's terrifying. I mean, if they Trump became such this demigod, you know, or demigog, right. I guess, uh, that, uh, it seemed like he was untouchable as he bragged, you know, he could shoot someone on fifth Avenue and no one <laughs> could touch that. him. Yeah. And I, I think there's some truth to that as well. Impeach twice, you know, all just all kinds of criminal proceedings swirling around him. And he seems to be like Teflon, but to think that the, the political discourse has transitioned to such an extent that they will boo him over suggesting uh, the vaccine. Something that he actually put into effect. Right. Operation Warp Speed. Exactly, right? yeah. People Operation forget Warp about Speed. that already right. for some reason. Right. And that's where we're dealing with. I see, and, you know, it, it's weird. I certainly don't want to make this episode all about politics, but it's it's very strange that Biden is taking so much flack for the decisions that uh, Trump put into practice, this pullout of Afghanistan also is something, you know, Trump is the one who made the deal with the Taliban for the U.S. to leave. I think that I, I have I have issues with every president that we've had in my lifetime. I can find faults. I Hopefully, I think all reasonable people can find faults with political leadership. I think if someone becomes that level of a demagogue and almost like uh, some perfect model like people were making Trump out to be, that's a major problem. You have to find uh, places to agree and criticize people on every side of the political spectrum. But to look, in, especially after this bombing in Afghanistan at the airport, which very tragic, horrible, you know, horrible. we... Yeah. we uh, we are, you know, we're former Marines. We see and work with Marines every day and uh, are around veterans and military members. And it's terrifying to think uh, that our political leadership put people into harm's way and they they did die. Uh, but that happens every day. That's the burden that's on the president. And uh, essentially, Trump Trump put everything into motion, and Biden's just seeing it out. But 
the entire right side of the political spectrum seems to be blaming Trump for this situation. Or, I mean, I'm sorry, blaming Biden for this situation. Sorry, something wrong with the headphones. You can't hear yourself, can you? No, it's uh, dropping a little bit. Yeah, you know, I remember as a kid and even as as a young adult watching my parent or my father, you know, have discussions with people about politics, but it wasn't like how it is today. It's like you're either on this side or you're not. You're either on my side or you're not. Right. It's become so binary and so so poisonous. You you're either for mass or you're against mass. Right. You, and that, I mean, it, the science to me, and I guess I guess to even be binary on this situation, right? For me, one say mass don't work at all. If if we accept the premise that mass don't work who's it hurting to wear a mask? I mean, it makes my face hot. Like, so the, I have a condition, bro. Right. So the, the word, I, I guess it's, it's tough to say the worst case scenario. Cause I know some people are saying that it increases your carbon dioxide it activates your body's COVID response and causes you to create COVID. I think that's really on the fringe out there, but to say, I don't like a mask. It doesn't work. It doesn't do anything. And I'll say, probably January, February of 2020, I read a BBC article. I've always thought it's weird how Japanese people wear masks during flu season here, right? You see, you, you just see Japanese people on the train, like, why are you wearing a mask? The BBC said, masks don't work. And I read the article and it was like, oh yeah, this, this confirms what I already thought. Like masks are pointless. Viruses are very small particles. They're passing through and then in the last 18 months, we've actually been living through the terror that is COVID and saw that uh, it actually makes sense. You know, you sneeze, you sneeze into a tissue, you sneeze into a mask, like your particles are mostly trapped. Is it perfect? Is it a HEPA filter? Is no. it, you know, yeah. is it an N95? It's not, but we're, we're trying to mitigate, mitigate risk, right? right? Yeah. It's all about limiting and mitigating the, the risk and, you know, as on the island of the oldest lived people in the world, we really have a responsibility to be protecting those around us. And it just seems absurd to me in the States that school districts, people are fighting, parents are fighting that their kids go to school with no mask. You know, no one ever died from wearing a a mask. But a teacher should have a gun (laughs) and know how to use it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I had some crazy teachers who loved to yell and throw erasers across the uh, room. I'm I'm glad they weren't armed, but guns are guns are a whole nother topic, right? But just you, I don't see I don't see how you can say okay, zero kids have died of wearing a mask. Some kids have died of COVID, not a lot, you know, percentage wise. Yeah. But if that's your kid, that's a really bad day. Uh, beyond bad. That, that's probably the worst thing that can happen to you as a parent is your kid to get sick and die from from something like COVID-19 to say that, okay, I'm going to go fight at school to make sure my kid does not have to wear a mask. That that just seems crazy to me. We, can, we could be definitely using that energy towards something else. Absolutely. And yeah. <laughs> I think that's what America's missing and why, you know, China or talked about China a little bit beforehand, but right. I, I think that's why China's taking our lunch. While we're sitting here with this political discourse arguing over bullshit like masks and should we get vaccinated, should we not get vaccinated, uh, you know, should the government mandate something or not, China is just chugging along 
yeah. eat, they're ready to eat our lunch. We we're making two, three year plans out and they are they're planning 50 100 years yep. into the future they're planning a global takeover right and it, it's terrifying to think uh i guess normally historically democracies fall to autocracies like this and eventually we devolve into just sort of uh eating each other alive and split split apart from the inside uh it, it's <laughs> it's no, disheartening it's disheartening yeah. to even think about it but you see, with uh, our humiliating pullout of Afghanistan, and I, I think we needed to pull out of Afghanistan. Unfortunately, uh, the way democracy works, it's very hard to plan. No one ever said we're going to be in Afghanistan for 20 or 30 years. That's what we should have thought if we said, okay, we're going to take this country that has been in a civil war for 30 years and we are going to build them into a functioning Western liberal democracy, which, I mean, that's like putting a man on the moon. Uh, no disrespect towards Afghan people. I know there's lots of lots and lots of good people in Afghanistan, but it takes it takes institution building, it takes culture building, none of which is there because the the society's just been destroyed. Uh, so we said, okay, we're going to do that a year at a time. Here, here, Joe Davis, you're you're the new commander from mm-hmm. 2002 to 2003, and to think in there five or six years we focused on Iraq more because there's more oil and more resources, more right. natural resources yeah. in Iraq, more political gain. Exactly, and uh, Afghanistan had never been the focus. That this was this is America's longest war, and we're just going to keep this going on forever. I think is is crazy. I. We probably could have kept a force of five or six thousand troops to sort of stiffen the spine of the Afghani troops and hold some territory. But this this outcome was going to happen eventually, unfortunately, uh, with the way our strategy works. It's as a as a, you know, wannabe student of history, at least like this is very similar to what happened in Vietnam. We sort of won the war before we lost the war. We had done such a good job at one point, and then we started abandoning our allies. And what happens is, you know, in a revolution, the one side, when they when they see there's no winning, it just devolves so quickly. And that that's what we saw in Afghanistan, where the, the government just turned over to the Taliban often without a shot being fired. But you saw Chinese media was saying, hey, look, hey, Taiwan, this is how American treats their allies. Yeah. See, they, they sold, America sold their Afghan allies out, and they're going to do the same to you. Uh, I think the, the difference, hopefully, is that Afghanistan is not strategically important to American, American interest. To be, to be very blunt, nobody cares what happens to Afghanistan. It is a country that shouldn't even exist. Because if you go through history, the Duran line, which uh, sort of tried to separate and break the will of the Pashtuns, goes right through Afghanistan. It's the uh, most of it, I believe, is the Afghan-Pakistan border. So half the Pashtun people are in Afghanistan and the other half are in Pakistan. And when British colonial times, they came in to do that to weaken, weaken the Pashtuns. That uh, so it's a very unnatural border. It's not one people in one border. 
it's this weird, you know, misnomer and lots of it's it's just not a contiguous space. You look at the United States, it makes sense that it's one ocean to another no- ocean. We have a a physical boundary that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That is uh that's not the case in Afghanistan. You know, Alexander the Great invaded, everyone in- invaded. Yeah. Genghis Khan, right? Right, right. It's it's the, you know, bicycle, the village bicycle. <laughs> Everyone's had a turn on it. Um, the Middle East has had a history like that, right? Lawrence Arabia, all that kind of stuff. It's so just... right, and I, I guess we have to separate there. Afghanistan is Central Asia mm-hmm. or Central Asia-ish, even though they're they're Muslims, they're not Arabs, right? Uh, then, if we talk about the Middle East, it's a it's an entire different situation. But at the the fall of the Ottoman Empire, we had our you know good buddies France France and Great Britain get involved, and they just cut also arbitrary lines. So put Sunnis and Shias together. Uh, which is why Iraq has suffered a lot of instability and just sort of cut lines out of the desert that didn't make sense. I mean, if we look much closer to us and the uh, fall of World War II, the arbitrary line cut at the 38th parallel for Korea, Mm -hmm. separating Korea. There's no, you can go to Korea, it makes no, you look, and of course, now you have the DMZ. It's very clear a forested area between the two Koreas, but it's not like there's a mountain range separating those two places. It makes sense to have borders on, you know, mountain ranges. On there's normally like a, a physical deterrent that limits a country, uh, mountains, rivers, something like that. You know, right. at the the southern United States, you have the Rio Grande, and that's sort of the deline- delineator between the U.S. and Mexico. Uh, Canada, not so much, but you know, it, it doesn't doesn't work out for every country. But that generally, some something like that gives uh, gives countries a a sense of security, and Afghanistan just doesn't have that. Um, but. Uh, I, who who knows what will happen with Taiwan? I mean, the whole whole reason we are still in Asia is to essentially guarantee the freedom of navigation of the ocean uh, because it makes us a lot of money as America. Yeah. And the second we decide that we're not going to defend Taiwan, that that's basically America can tuck its ta- tail between its legs and go home. Um I think America is an empire. We're sort of an imperial power. We have military bases all over the world. Yeah. Not not to sound like some crazy, you know, Marxist or Maoist or something like that. You son but, of a bitch. Yeah, but you you can look around and see that we're we're everywhere. And I think for the most part, America has been a power for good. Do we always do good? No. But as a free country. We can uh, introspectively look at ourselves and you can say, man, you know, here's what America did to these people. You know, the uh, I don't don't know if it was Fiji, the Bikini Atolls where we uh, blew up nuclear weapons. Um, Also, I forget that island in the uh, the Indian Ocean that we we kicked all the natives off of. But there's plenty all, all over the place. We've just taken people and said, you know. My stick's bigger than yours. You have to do what I say because I'm in charge and kick them off of their home. And to those people, uh, I'm sure they don't have a good opinion of America. 
but we can sit here and discourse on it and say, man, this is pretty fucked up. That shouldn't have happened. And then we can work through the political system, work through the legal system to get some sort of resolution. Uh, You know, for if we talk about Native Americans, American Indians, um, nothing is ever going to give their land back. You know, all of these history is just a, uh, you know, a long process of somebody taking somebody else's thing. And uh, it's only in modern times where we'd even feel bad about this. But I, I think that is sort of the evolution's maybe not the right term, but we should, we should be kind hearted enough to try and give the, the best that we can, the best that we can afford. And, you know, as one of the, you know, richest countries on earth, like we, we can absolutely afford to do that. That's never going to happen with China. A, a Chinese empire would not look like the U S you know, you, it, it would not look like the way the world is now for sure. Um, you are going to have to bow down and acknowledge what China says. And, you know, you make fun of uh, Hu Jintao or Xi Jinping. Say Xi Jinping looks like... Outspoken about something or anybody. Winnie the Pooh and, you know, now Winnie the Pooh's banned and this and that and uh, you'll just be disappeared. I think, you know, I I don't think that's how we want the world to look. And I guess it's... It's easy to say as an American because, of course, as an American, I like the way the world looks now. Um, but I think for the most good, for the most people, the current political order and system in the world of sort of free free travel of the seas is is the best for everyone. Yeah, man. China fucking scares me. Because if Taiwan goes, then after that, next is Japan, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think what what you would probably see, and we already see uh, weak countries like the Philippines, they're sort of trying to play both sides. They want to get the most they can. If push came to shove, I think the Philippines would team up with us. Uh, and of course, we have we have something like five mutual defense treaty allies in uh, the Pacific region. So you have Thailand, you have the Philippines. Uh, Taiwan is not, for all intents and purposes, they're a mutual defense treaty ally, mm-hmm. but because they're not a country, we don't have that. We have the Taiwan Relations Act, but then we have um, Korea and we have Japan. So I, I want to say there's another country. Oh, maybe, I guess Australia. I was going to say Australia. Australia, New Zealand, also mutual defense treaty allies of ours as well. And Although Australia is not culturally Asian, it's geographically right. It's geographically in the Pacific and matters. Uh, you know, New Zealand not so much. They're they're just out there on their own, like closing the doors and like fuck you all. We're not going to have any COVID here. And <laughs> wait, but although actually right now because my my former instructor yeah. is in New Zealand or from New Zealand too, but um, I think they're like on some level four closure now. So now he's doing online classes for jujitsu. Yeah, I, I I also saw, um, you know, I guess that that information would have been accurate as of a few weeks ago. But Delta, right. Delta is so virulent and so easily transmissible. I saw a thing that said the I guess most transmissible <clears throat> virus out there is chickenpox. Just like being around, being in a room with anyone that has chickenpox, like almost a hundred percent chance you'll get it. And Delta is that transmissible. Really, so. Uh, All the countries, Australia, New Zealand, um, I mean, to an extent, Thailand, Vietnam, Japan, who've tried to have the zero COVID policy, it's just all turning into a shambles and failing, uh, which is, you know, I, 
I thought I was clever 18 months ago that like, oh, this will take, you know, a year to 18 months. And here we are. Like it, it doesn't feel like we're at the light yeah. of the end of the tunnel. Like, I don't know when this will ever be over. And that, that is, uh, exhausting. It's terrifying. It's, uh, it's mentally taxing. Right? I was going to say that mentally taxing. It's yeah. I don't see a light down the tunnel at all. And I, I guess the good thing is like, we can still get together. We can drink beers, we can train. And that, that's been a major problem, right? Like n- there's been months where we're, we're either training underground or not allowed to train. Um, you know, and how, like I, I'm glad we haven't gotten sick yet, but it was sort of, you know, there's time in there. Like, you know, it's, it was, it was pretty risky. We, any one of us could have uh, come in and infected yeah. everyone else. Um, and I'd feel really bad, you know, if my wife or my kids would have died, you know, I, I was sort of taking, you know, if, if I died, I, you know, I, I made that decision, but if I killed somebody I loved because I wanted to, you know, roll around on the floor with a bunch of sweaty guys uh, and gals, yeah, you and gals, sexist yes. bastard. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to, uh, to Leia or yeah, long, yeah. long-term training partner. Always, always down to choke us out and armbar us, but uh, but that's the thing too is that I haven't knock on wood since COVID. I usually get sick about once once a year, bad cold, whatever, right? But I haven't gotten sick at all, yeah, which is but crazy. masks don't work, Joe. I know, right? <laughs> Social distancing. I've. Um, <laughs> I've amazingly, so I have my sister-in-law who lives in Naha, which right now is like the, the heart of COVID in Japan. We have more, more COVID cases per, per capita, capita in, in Okinawa than anywhere else in Japan. I saw the mayor of Miyako said they have the worst COVID situation per capita in the world. I don't know if that's, I didn't fact check that. Well, at least they're number one thing. in something. Right. Jeez. Right. <laughs> Number one in DUIs, <laughs> DUIs and, and, uh, and domestic COVID. violence. Yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So you're, you're saying you haven't been sick. My, so my, my sister-in-law came up from Naha to Izumi had surgery. Uh, she came right. up to the house and her kid was coughing up a storm. I'm like, man, this better not be coronavirus. Like I'm, I'm really this upset. Fucking kid from Naha. Yeah. <laughs> And so sure enough, uh, two days later, my daughter starts having a, a sore throat. I'm like, I have not been sick. You know, normally flu season yeah. comes around. Like you always have that asshole who comes to the gym and like afterwards they're like wiping their nose and they're the like, you know, disgusting guy anyway. And you know, sure enough, man, I, I can bet on it. I'm going to be sick in a couple days, especially if you help with kids class. Like the kids are always sick. They're always going to get you sick. But sure enough, uh, I I can't think of a time that I've been sick since, you know, December of 2019, something yeah. like that. But my sister-in-law came up, kid coughed all over us, coughed in her face. Luckily, not COVID, but we all had a cold. I, I stayed off the mats, didn't train for like a week and a half yeah. because of that. Um, but, but yeah, that, that was a huge bummer. And, you know, of course, it's like any time – Anytime my nose runs, I'm like, is it COVID? Yeah. You know, you never, you never know. And actually that makes sense too, because back then I was teaching kids judo classes twice a week at the youth center on Kadena. And that place is like a Petri dish, right? Hand, cesspool. Ha- yeah. Yeah. Cesspool. Hand, foot, mouth disease, whatever <laughs> it is. Fucking kids have fever, stomach flu, all that shit. 
And now we're only doing once a week with mask on, no contact. So I guess it makes sense that I haven't gotten sick yet. And just think of all the times you might have had something on your hand. And like, I I don't know about you, but I'm like hit the hand sanitizer like four (laughs) or five, six times a day. I do that too. And yeah, it's like. I I feel like I've always been good about washing hands, but I must like I must kill everything on my hands much more often than I used to. <laughs> like we're all we're all turning into clean freaks. I shook I shook this guy's hand at work the other day, and then I immediately grabbed the uh, the alcohol <laughs> and I I you know gestured to him like, "Do you want some too?" And he looked at me like, "Are you crazy?" And I said, "Sorry, bad bad habit. I do it I do it all the time now." Yeah, the whole the whole handshaking. It's a, I much prefer the fist bump. You it's know, weird. Like, I, you look at people, and I I kind of put my hand out, and I have a fist, but then they, they reach out with their hand open. I'm like, I'm like, okay, what are we doing here? I don't know. Are we doing elbows? What are we doing? Yeah, I just had the experience <laughs> the other day. And it's, right? Yeah, yeah. Bowing, bowing. <laughs> the the Jap- I, I love how Japan's like the reason COVID's not here is because we have much less physical contact. What was with the people. other one too? Like it's the like, way we speak Japanese, right. we don't spit. Right. I have a pen. I have a pen. Koriwa pen des. Like <laughs> they're saying they don't they don't aerosolize droplets uh, when when they speak Japanese because of uh, how much more subdued the language is. Did you hear the story know. of when they said there was a cluster at a, at a call center and they were saying because after lunch they were all brushing their teeth together and they're showing some sort of like, uh, what do you call it? Like <laughs> digital, like uh, it was like, what do you call it? Like not someone real, but it was someone like brushing their teeth. Yeah. And, and it was showing like all the particles <laughs> flying all over the place. I'm like, who brushes their teeth with their mouth open? I mean, <laughs> what's going on here? <laughs> Oh man. Yeah. I can't wait to go back and, and start traveling. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like, we we're talking about too, all the things we're missing. Right. But this, right. this is the longest I have not been on an international trip since, since I got my first passport, since I became an adult, you know, 18, I think I was 18 years old when I first came to Okinawa and I have been traveling all over the world since. And we're, we're essentially just stuck here. Would you go somewhere, uh, a specific place every year, or you just uh, pick a different? I I mean, it yeah. just so happened that every couple years we'd go to Vietnam, um, Taiwan almost every year, and Thailand about every year as well. But n- I never had a set schedule like I want to go to these, these, and these places um, for work. I often went to Korea as well. But it's just it's just nice to go somewhere unusual, experience something else, you know, meet new people. And that, that's the other thing. Like I, I was up at the beach in Hokkaido, just came back from a couple weeks in Hokkaido. And again, like traveling now is so weird. I feel it's sort of morally the wrong thing to do. Um, but I have a little tiny cabin up in Hokkaido and I, I just want to get out of Okinawa. You know, o- Okinawa is super hot right now. Lots of COVID. And the kids are on school vacation. It seemed like the the right time to do. But we're having a bonfire on the beach. Just me and me and my kids. So no, no COVID risk there. But we see some, you know, other friendly looking foreigners. And it's like, normally I'd walk over. I'd bring some beers. Hey, what's up? Let's get to know these people. Yeah. And instead I, I put my mask on when we left the beach and it's like, Hey, you want this firewood we've accumulated? Like, I'm sorry. I would have said hi earlier, but you know, COVID and all it's, it's just, uh, yeah, it's mind numbing not to have those new experiences. Yeah. So, I mean, we've had, we've had to look for them, I guess, closer to home. Right. Um, I feel, I don't know. I like, 
I was talking to somebody about competitions too. It's I I really missed not competing for uh, for the first couple months of COVID, and of course we were all planning to go to Taiwan. That's what right. was it, March, March, April of last yeah. year, yeah. And I mean, remember, like it, it feel it feels like ten years ago at this point. Like, yeah, we we've almost lived a decade's worth of stress in the last year but we're messaging back and forth. Hey man, are we going to cancel? What's going on? Like Peach still won't give us a refund. So <laughs> I'm going to wait. I'm going to see what's going to happen. Right. But I don't know if I want to compete again. Like it's expensive. Uh, you got to put yourself out there, which I guess is the the best part of it, right? It's like battle testing your mm-hmm. jujitsu, like all the things, you know, Maybe yeah. maybe Joe just feels bad for me in the gym and lets me get to this position or whatever. <laughs> like, and competition's a whole different animal. But it's like, do I want to go pay money, pay money to travel, do all these things yeah. just to just to compete as you know a thirty eight year old that like a. a <laughs> A gold medal in some random SBJJF, you know, you what beat does that two mean? people. Right, right. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. Yeah. Do you think it's just because subconsciously we know that if we do all of this planning, it can just shut down? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. There's I so mean, many that's... restrictions. It's taxing, right? It used to be you can sign up, buy your ticket, reserve your hotel, and you're like, okay, I'm good. You know, I'm going to be going in six weeks or four weeks. But now it's like, okay. Do I do I pay now? Do I is it going to be a, a cancellation because of the tournament? Are they going to say is the is the Marine Corps or the Army going to say it's a red zone now? Yeah. You can't go. No one's allowed to travel, and so it's like I don't want to go through this whole fucking headache of planning for this trip. Right, and it, I how's this going to affect like kids these days? And you know we have Generation X millennials whatever whatever you want to call it but are we going to have like generation yolo where it's you just live you live every day to the fullest because and i mean i think we absolutely should do that right but uh they they just go hog wild with everything because it's like you never know when the next pandemic's coming or are we going to have a generation like we do already that doesn't know how to communicate with people face to face now it's just I'll see you online, bro. Right. I mean, that's a problem too is, uh, I mean, this did happen a hundred years ago, but had this happened a hundred years ago, it's just a, a totally, I imagine for our great grandparents who experiences a totally different situation. Science wasn't where it was. So no one really understood what was happening here. We are, we understand all of it. And then we dispute it and argue about it and don't wear masks and, you know, fight about the vaccine and everything else. Like no other vaccine has made it to market, been been this safe, this quick, this effective, and we're going to ignore it and fight about it. And uh, yeah, but we have the internet. So all of the things we would have felt a hundred years ago, you know, you could have written a letter and the mailman probably wouldn't have even delivered it because of how sick people were. Uh, you know, the books I've read on the 1918 influenza pandemic, I mean, people would get on the train and then like the train conductor would just have to like shovel dead people off the train because people would die that quickly. Uh, it was, I mean, horrible, horrible situation, but here we are. It's like, Oh, I'll hop on Reddit on my phone. I'll hop on, you know, Facebook and see what's going on. It makes us feel connected, but it's just, it's false connection. It's not, it's not real. Um, it's not, it's not like interacting with people in person 
that was I was talking to James, and he's saying the same thing. Like they're doing this ocean safety right course, the, sort of yeah, ocean safety course, and getting all these kids who basically like lived in a petri dish their whole life. You know, never like like a bull. Like they have no no bones in their body. You know? <laughs> They're like Morpheus, or not Morpheus, Neo when he woke up in yeah. the real world. He's like, how come I can't move my legs? Or he said, like he t- took these kids to the beach, and they're like, what is this I'm walking on? I I can't. Uh, you can take your shoes off. You know, it just it's just sand. And they're like, no, mate, you, oh, ha- you, it, you yeah. have to say it like James. Yeah. <laughs> That's sand there, mate. <laughs> but just they're they're they were almost terrified to walk on rocks and sand. And I, I think we we grew up at the perfect time where there was internet, you know, there were computers, but we came of age when those things didn't exist. Like you want to go to another place, you had to read a book. Right. Uh, you want to go play with your friends? Like it, calling was super expensive. Like I never got to use the phone as a kid. Like yeah. I'd hop on my bike and I'd go ride to my friend's house. And if it's they're not there, I'd like – you know, go burn ants in the dirt or something until like they came home. And that was it. Like there was, you just had to get used to being bored and now we're never bored anymore. Our minds are always occupied with something. Yeah. So what, going back to, you said our generation, what generation are we? I mean, I I guess. I've had this argument with people. Yeah. So you're, when, when were you born? 81. 81. So I, I'm a, a little younger, you know, I was born 83, but I'd say I think what I've seen is like Generation Z is sort of like 75 to 81, 82 ish. But, you know, there's no hard line for generations. So millennials are like 1980 to 2000, 2001, something like that. So I guess, you know, technically I'm I'm a millennial like the I think the. The measure, and I know millennial is like a, a shitty term, right? Nobody wants to be called a millennial. It's like a, like a curse word, right? But it's if you grew up around the turn of the millennium, like you became an adult or you were nearing adulthood uh, towards the, the turn of the millennium, like you're a millennial. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I, I try and drop that pejorative context, the, uh, you know, with, with being a millennial and just own it. But yeah, I... I'd say like that's that's when we grew up. We grew up before the internet. Generation X is what. So right I mean, after the ba- the baby boomers. N- r- well, you that would be. Or is Generation X the baby boomers? No, no, baby boomers are our parents' generation. Okay. They're the ones who were born in the late forties, early fifties, basically after World War II. You know, when okay. every everyone came back from the war and had a lot of kids. Um. You know, both Japan too definitely has like that baby boomer generation as well, and then Gen X would be like the sixties, right? Sixties to sixties to eighties is like your your Gen Gen Xers, like they were children around the Vietnam War era. You know, our our parents' generation was in Vietnam or you know alive mm-hmm. protesting whatever, but alive during that period as adults. Um, you know, sort of like where September 11th was like the delineator, you know, I was, as an adult in the Marine Corps when September 11th happened like that, that is very much a memory, you know, something burnt in our memory. I think like the fall of Saigon would have been that for our parents' generation or something like that. Mm. I had, um, <clears throat> I had this coworker, she was 20 at the time. This is like 2019. And this retiree guy, I mean, he's probably like in his late 70s, maybe, maybe in his 80s. 
and uh, it was almost September 11th. He says, well, you know what this weekend is, right? He's talking to this girl. And she's like, no. And he just looks at her like these serious look and there's a silence and he says it's 9-11 and she you know she's thinking about it. she's like oh yeah yeah you know 9-11 and i'm thinking how old was she when 9-11 happened right she was like one or two years old so like it didn't it didn't strike her you know as like this it's this important time in yeah. our history that you know where our country was attacked and she was just like oh yeah 9-11 and i i mean i remember or i think i remember I think I remember watching the uh, the first first Gulf War, you know, the invasion of Iraq in uh, in what ninety ninety one, because that was like CNN. That was the first really televised war, right? But that wasn't like the culminating experience of my childhood. You know, it's just something. It's noise in the background. It's something right. going on. I was like way more concerned with you know tr- skateboarding and mm-hmm. you know what whatever else. Like the you know it it didn't. It didn't affect me, but like September 11th, I mean, it changed, it changed everything. Unfortunately, I think COVID is going to be the same experience, uh, you know, probably for our kids or, you know, the people, the people in their teens today, Mm -hmm. uh, the world most likely is never going back to the way it, way it was. Like, it looks like this disease is going to be endemic. So probably every time we fly, you know, we might not need masks all the time but you'll every day an id card or a passport that says you're vaccinated right right and you're going to need masks to travel everywhere like we're yeah. never going to get on an air i i you know i wouldn't i wouldn't say it with 100 percent confidence but i feel like we're never going to get on an airplane again without masks yeah it, it reminds you of 9-11 before that right everything changed you can, remember you used to be able to go to the uh the gate right you could go to the gate. You could have your pocket knife. You could have your right. fingernail clippers. Um, you can have more than uh, six ounces of whatever, right. whatever you could, it is. Right. You could you could buy a water bottle outside yeah. the airport, and then you could drink it on the airplane. You didn't have to wait an hour in line to go through security, take off your shoes, your belt, and go through a, right. what do you call it, the uh, x-ray machine yeah. holding your hands yeah. up. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, like, we did. We absolutely lost freedoms because of that. Um, it's – and – That'll never go back to the way it used to be. Like it'll never be, we'll never fly, you know, fast and fancy free like we used to. And it's going to be the same thing with these masks. And I, I sort of, I empathize with the people who are anti-mask in that they, they don't want the world to change, but unfortunately, like you, you can't stop the world from changing. Like it, whether you want it to or not, uh, you know, things will change. And even, even if statistically, uh, the the arguments on your side feelings matter like the way people feel the fear people feel matters uh you know i guess there's that like anyone who uh would sacrifice freedom for security deserves neither but i, I don't know like that that doesn't cut it these days yeah i don't know i feel pretty free bro i don't know about you no i i <laughs> right i feel putting a mask on sucks i hate it i don't like wearing a yeah. mask but it doesn't feel like I'm sacrificing my freedom. You know, it it does not feel again, I very much think it's the least someone can do. You mentioned traveling to Vietnam. I've never been. How do you like it? I Vietnam is uh is amazing. The food is amazing. I mean, there's probably of the countries I've been to, the the countries with the most amazing food culture. Thailand is one of them for sure. 
Vietnam, just the food is spectacular. And then, then Mexico. I mean, you know, as, as an American, we think we know, you know, Mexican food and Tex-Mex or whatever, but the food in Mexico City is just mind-blowing. You know, the things, everything I walked around, it's like, I don't know what that is. It's on a tortilla. I want to eat it. It's great. But uh, pho, you know, Vietnamese noodle soups right, yeah. and all of that stuff is uh, great. It's is going in, you know, my, my dad's a, a Vietnam vet. Uh, going in first, it's like, oh, they're communists, you know, evil communists. They they won the war. Um, did you say your dad went to Vietnam with yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. He, he did. So I first went, Izumi and I went in 2006 or seven, and then two years later, my dad and I went. And that was, you know, the he left Vietnam, I want to say, in 71. And so that was the first time he had been back since 1971. Whose idea was it to go? Was I mean, he definitely wanted to go, but maybe it never would have happened if I didn't push him. Um, but yeah, we, I mean, he, he wanted to go. So it's like, I'm buying us tickets. We're going to Vietnam. And we went to all the places uh, that he had served, went to, you know, the hill where he spent almost two years of his life, where he lost buddies and everything else. And uh, it was a really healing experience for him. It, yeah. you know, it's, I, I wonder, I wonder if our generation, you know, and again, millennials, whoever, but the, and I, I'm not a combat vet. I did not, although I was in, in the Marine Corps during both Iraq and Afghanistan, I never went. Um, but I, I wonder if, uh, our generation will ever get that healing experience to go right now looks really unlikely with (laughs) Afghanistan. Right. But you go to Vietnam and you see like, yeah, they're, they're theoretically communist, but the free market is alive and well in Vietnam. And if you, you color in the numbers, at least like there's, there's enough of uh daily life that you can do, you know, you, you can get through daily life without, as long as you just don't say, stand up and say, man, the government's all fucked up. Like you, you sort of work within the system. And of course, it's like, you know, as a red-blooded American, like I just want to say things are fucked up whenever I want to say them. But it's always been different in Asia to an extent as well. Like even in Japan where, you know, it's a democracy, people don't don't just speak their mind like we do in the US sort mm-hmm. of, right? There's like a there's a time and a place for it, but that that part of Vietnam is obviously off the shelf. Like you cannot criticize the government. Uh, at least not publicly, but people tell you on the side, oh yeah, it's pretty fucked up. Like this and this happens, but people are getting rich. And really when it comes down to it, uh, people care about, you know, their financial well-being and upward mobility. They want to be able to be richer than their parents' generation. And, and that's happening in Vietnam. Um, it's yeah, it's a happy place. It's not a sad story, I guess, is the 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 good thing to say. It's not a North Korea, and you know, I always think like, what would have happened if the South hadn't fallen? Would the North have just like been more recalcitrant and and tried to be like a North Korea? You know, where they just because they had, you know, you have to be the opposite to mm-hmm. to what's going on in in the other you know divided country. Like, would they've just dug in and tried to uh, stay more communist yeah. like they definitely you know they had i want to say it's the doi moi policy but they had an opening of the economy just like china did that's right yeah so, and uh and yeah it's, so it's it's a it's an awesome place like 
it's sad to see how many people go there, especially Americans, how many go just to do like war tour because, you know, Vietnam's been around. They have thousands of years of history, you know, 2000 years of history, we'll say, uh, and amazing historical sites and everything else. For a Vietnamese person, they're thinking about all of that. So in all of that, there's 25 years where America was involved in fighting. Like most Vietnamese people were born after the war. Uh, the you know the American War, which is what they call it in Vietnam. Is that what they call it? Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah. Is uh, is not a big deal. America, we're a very young country. You know, Vietnam was this this traumatic experience for a country that I still don't think we've gotten over. And so most Americans go there to, you know, find out about the war, relive the experience, have their version of the war. You know, you're for or against the war or whatever. Have that reinforced, you know, have your preconceived notions reinforced. But if you just go to Vietnam with an open mind, like I, you'll have a hard time not having an amazing time. Uh, the people are friendly, welcoming. The yeah. food's great. Uh, it's, you know, relatively inexpensive and you know, you go, the big cities are cool, but you get away from the big cities and you just have like a totally unique experience. How was it navigating through the country? Uh, pretty easy. Yeah. It, you know, it depends on where you go, but there's still such an, a legacy from, you know, the war that so many people speak English. And of course, like, you know, English is the language of business in the world. And I think unlike, unlike Japan, Korea, like, the, the countries that are more wealthy have just sort of said, well, we don't need to do that. So you can absolutely, you know, we, oh, like we speak enough Japanese to get around here. But I go to Korea and I'll go weeks sometimes without having a conversation with anybody. Like if I'm in the countryside of Korea for work or something, like nobody speaks English. It, it can be really rough. In Vietnam, everywhere I went, like you find somebody who speaks English. It's like surprising, but, uh, but yeah, I never had a problem getting around right on a scooter or whatever else. Like it's, it's easy to get everywhere. You want another beer? Oh yeah. Let's do one. Oh yeah. Uh, I took my gout medicine, so I'm good. <laughs> Which one do you want? Uh, you want to do another one of these raspberry stouts? Yeah. That's just good, man. Shout out to uh, Cardinal Trading. You know, go to uh, I think it's CardinalTrading.jp. To are to, you are you giving a plug on my podcast? <laughs> Cardinal Car, Cardinal what? What's Cardinal it? Trading. Yeah, it's uh, I think yeah the, the label's not on these beers because Cardinal they're, Trading. I'm looking for a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, shoot shoot Grayson at Cardinal Trading. Your uh, your <laughs> rates. Shout out to Grayson. Grayson, thank you for these beers that Nate purchased. <laughs> I think these are these are the ones I just paid for shipping. So it's the, the best deal around. Yeah. Cari. Cheers. Yeah, cheers. Did your dad um did he ever speak about Vietnam War to you or tell you any stories or does he keep quiet about it? He he mostly, you know, was the I guess sort of grin and bear it type. Um, you know, at, after I joined the Marine Corps, he definitely shared a little bit more. I think we we had more we could relate to. Um, I felt, you know, I felt like if I had ever been to combat, we would like maybe really get on that even, even playing field, but you know, I never saw combat. So it it definitely feels like there's, there's some things I just can't relate to him on, but, uh, there's absolutely trauma from the war that he's, he's just never gotten over. And, uh, I don't think he ever will. And yeah, so he would share, you know, a story here or there. 
Um, you know, he has an experience where uh, he he saw what he perceived at least to be the Grim Reaper, and that has like solidified his faith uh, for the rest of his life. You know, he came back from Vietnam. Uh, having killed people and fought and, you know, done all the horrible things that come with combat and became a minister. And that was, uh, you know, the, the culminating experience of his life in Vietnam. And then he, I think he's felt guilt or whatever, and has worked the rest of his life to make up for that. Um, you know, for me, it's like, it's tough. I never had an experience like that. So, you know, we, my dad and I don't connect on religion or uh, belief. Like I'm, I'm a typical millennial. I don't want to join anything. I don't want to believe in anything, you know, uh, that's, <laughs> so it's a, it's a different experience, right? But that, has that, has that, um, been an issue with your relationship with your father at all? Oh uh, yeah, man! As far like, as the religion, oh, we're, we're going to get real deep here oh, today, okay. huh, Joe? Well, no, I mean, you can always no. say, "Yeah, no, <laughs> we can move on." So, I'm just curious. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely. <laughs> hopefully, my. I guess I can't post this on my Facebook because my parents <laughs> might listen to it. But uh, there was definitely a time when my dad's like, "I remember when you weren't an atheist. Like when you became an atheist, you're an asshole. You, <laughs> I don't want my atheist son. I want my Christian son back." So. You know that that's of course hurtful, and uh, you know maybe may, I, I'm not I'm not denying you know I am an asshole, but I've always been an asshole. <laughs> I mean, the trip to Vietnam though that had that had that make the bonder. Oh yeah, I mean? I mean I think I think that was that was really good. It was uh, so like we just hit the anniversary. It was this time I want to say. Man, it must like eleven years ago we went and going and you know he he thought he'd never come home. He thought he'd die in Vietnam, like I think a lot of people a lot of people thought. Like that. And of course, like this is where you know you look statistically, most people that went to Vietnam didn't die. Um, you know, most people that go to any war come back, and of course they come back changed forever. But uh, yeah, we went we went to Hill Fifty Five, the the place where he spent most of his time. And yeah, we stood on there and that's like, that's like a giant fuck you to the war, right? Because it's like, I survived, I thrived, you know, here I am with my son. So that, that, I mean, that's an awesome experience and to be part of that, but to, yeah, to go around and it was just like, he, he was a naive young kid, you know, like we were like, I, I joined the Marine Corps at 17, you know, I was naive as hell. Like I'm still naive as hell, but I was especially naive then. And so I bought into all the BS and he bought into the same thing. Like, oh, we're here to like protect the Vietnamese people and free the Vietnamese people and all that. So for him to go back and like see Vietnam thrive and, uh, you know, reconnect with, uh, people and places that, that was really, really good and healing for him to see that it's not like a giant, like, like a North Korea, right? Like Mm -hmm. a giant prison, Vietnam, Vietnam has its shortcomings, but it is not a giant prison. Like People can come and go. People are getting wealthy. Um, the vast majority of people are doing well there. Your dad come. I mean, you must have a really good relationship because your dad's coming out here. Well, before COVID, right? Was before coming COVID. out here, like just about every year. Yeah, normally twice a year. Yeah, they they avoid the hot times in Okinawa. <laughs> so what they come in what January Nor- and time in April? <laughs> yeah, normally they come like October, November, and then again oh, okay. January, February. So. They- <laughs> And they're like land and w- turn the air conditioning on in January. You know, it's like 
Like I fight every year not to turn my AC on until like the end of May. And then right now it's like the end of August. I'm like, that AC is going off real soon. But they show up, you know, from Indiana. They're like, oh, yeah, we got to turn the AC on right now. Yeah, your house actually um, is actually pretty cool. When you have like all the the doors yeah. and windows open. There's yeah. a nice breeze in your area in Yomitan. For sure. But it's like the... Uh, <laughs> The humidity here is just, yeah. it's unbearable if you're not used to it. You know, we've been here so long, like it feel it feels almost normal at this point. You know, you, you, I go somewhere else, like go to Hokkaido. Man, it was like down to nine on some of those nights, nine Celsius, which has to be What's like that? that. That must be f- high 50s, low 60s, I think, in Fahrenheit, you know, in freedom units. But uh <laughs> But yeah, it was uh, to come back to Okinawa. You get off the plane and that the uh, the jetway, and it's just like miserable. Like ah. So do you sleep with the AC on? Yeah. So we run right now. Like the way my house is set up, I can't really like close anything off. You yeah. know, it's that big open area. So we just put all the ACs in dehumidify mode for like four or five months. Yeah, yeah. We do that too, and have like a a five hundred dollar electric bill. <laughs> I can't sleep without the AC on, man. Yeah. Especially during this time. Yeah. Yeah. I think we turn it off probably in end of December, like where I can sleep with no AC, December to like maybe what? March. Wow. Maybe March. Maybe. Depends, right? Fuck. We haven't had any typhoons either, really. Yeah. This this has been a, a strange year. I mean, we've, I guess it's, I feel like years ago we had more typhoons more yeah. often. But yeah, we had three. You know, we had two or three this year that none of them were really strong, right? I want to say the one what directly hit Miyako or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Or we've had some that have like started like last week we had one that formed near us. Yeah. But, but then shot not, up yeah. towards Korea. Yeah, right? it was weird. Yeah, I got a note from my uh my boss saying, like, I hope you're doing okay in the storm. And I'm like, there's no <laughs> storm. What are, you, what are you talking about? <laughs> So, you know, we, we've traveled a bit during COVID, right? And I, I certainly like, when was it we went to Ishigaki? I guess your birthday, so you know exactly, right? Is that officially we have not been to Ishigaki? I can't remember when we went to Ishigaki. Yeah, maybe it was before COVID. (laughs) It's also jumbled up now. But no, I guess when, you know, ignoring, ignoring all the base rules, which like change, I I don't think people in the States can understand, like Japan has the rules and then the military has the rules and we essentially have to follow all of these rules. rules. Yeah. So we're getting like American rules, base rules and Japanese rules all put upon us. And it's just this huge burden. Like we're, we're lucky in that Japan has not had a hard lockdown you can't go have a beer here anywhere. Like we, we have been in a state of emergency, which is the highest level in Japan since June, beginning of June. So here we are at the end of August, three full months in this state of emergency during that period. It is ill advised to sell alcohol. The government is dissuading any business from selling alcohol for the last three months. So we know plenty, you know, we like to go have a beer from time to time, you know, Izakaya, and things so there's just businesses are hurting um but yeah it's like if we just want to go have a beer there's nowhere to do it like it, you drink in your house and that's it do you but, think that's going to be a thing for the next qu- couple more years 
no, I, I think at some point we're just going to have to say like, okay, everyone's had the chance to get, get the vaccine. Yeah. And, and that's the, that's the thing in the States is everyone, essentially everyone has now had the chance to get the vaccine in the U S if you're in the U S and you're unvaccinated, that's because you choose to be. And I'm, I'm fine with that in Japan. There's still, you know, people our age are still don't have access to the vaccine here. And that's, that's the uh, the big deal. But at some point, Japan is going to have to say, okay, you want to be unvaccinated, have at it. You know, roll the dice. And businesses are going to have to start opening up. I feel like it'll be after the winter, though, that they actually do it. Yeah. But, but ignoring, say, Japan says, okay, you no longer, like, the, the bit, again, just to explain for people listening, if we leave Japan to get back into Japan, there, there's been a period last year where for about six months you literally could not come back into Japan if you are on, uh, you know, a, a visa. They were not letting any foreigners back in, even permanent residents. We're we're lucky on a military visa we could have gotten back in, but you have to do two weeks in quarantine. Mm-hmm. So say that goes away, like what will be the deciding factor for you whether you're ready to travel again? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, That's the it, question, right? It, it's freaky. Like we're our flight up and up to Hokkaido was, it wasn't full, but it wasn't that packed. Right. But coming back to Okinawa from Haneda, the flight was almost full, and then you have the old guy just sitting in the back, <laughs> pulling his mask off, <laughs> pulling the mask off to cough. It's like, what are you doing? Leave the mask on, please. But it was amazing. I'm like, if if we don't get COVID after you know, this airplane trip, like it's just not going to happen, which, which is foolish, right? It, it's still, it's still out there. It's still risky. Uh, you know, the kids going back to school, uh, all the schools are doing everything they can to mitigate it. But man, the, just this week though, I mean, it's been fucking crazy. I don't mind. I don't mind when I get somewhere, I can avoid COVID. You know, you rent your own car, you eat outside you get a bento and you you go eat it in the parking lot. That's that's the thing I've done to a whole lot more is eat outside. You know, you you get food to go, and uh, that whole I don't know if we're ever going to be able to have like an indoor restaurant experience again. It's just just not there. Um, but but once I am to a place, especially Hokkaido. You know, the Alaska of Japan, sort of, it's very easy to be away from people there. You can hike, you can do things outside, and it feels safe. But when you're on that plane, you're in that metal tube full of COVID, that, that's the terrifying <laughs> experience. That, that really scares me. I, at, at this point, I don't, I mean, we have tickets booked for December to go back up there for the winter, which we go every year. We sort of terrifyingly went last year. And, uh, you know, I don't, I mean, I got vaccinated. I'm not super afraid of COVID, but I don't want to get it. You know, I, I, I don't want yeah. to go to roll and like not be able to catch my right. breath or anything. Or, or you're the one. You're the reason why there was an outbreak. Right. You know, right. A cluster. It, what it, that exactly. Right. I want. I, I, you know, I want to. Uh, I guess have that like back in school when you got the citizenship award, right? Like I want to, I want to be a, a good neighbor to uh, Japanese people. I want to be a, you know, a, a good example, I guess. And yeah, that's, I'd feel very bad if I w- was yeah. at the heart of a super spreader event. 
either because I, I just wanted to train or I just wanted to travel those two. But yeah, it's like, I, I don't know when I'll feel comfortable, really comfortable traveling again. Like, I don't think it'll ever be like carefree again. Yeah. I don't think so either, man. COVID with, with what's going on in Afghanistan and China and just, it's, it's getting weird, man. Yeah. And politics back home. It, it's, you know, I guess it's a consequence of living outside of the U.S. for so long, but I, I feel like a foreigner, you know, in the U.S. I feel, I Me just, too. I, you know, I, I have, I have that severe reverse culture shock going back to the U.S. It, I, I can sit down and have a beer with people and, uh, we could each talk about things and in person, I think most of the time you can come to some semblance of an understanding, but the internet's a terrible place to fight and argue and try and put your side out. No one, no one that was ever convinced by, you know, an argument on Facebook. That's for sure. Yeah. You can't get your, your, your point across via social media and all the social cues that you can, you know, that you haven't in person, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I usually just kind of sit back and watch people's comments and have a good chuckle. Or yeah. shake my head. Some sometimes it's hard though, right? You're just like, ah, oh, I got uh, the right information. Uh, yeah. I, I want to say, say it, <laughs> and it's, I shouldn't say it. I will type something sometimes, and yeah. then I sit there and I pause and I think about it, and then I just hit delete. I mean that, like, I do the same thing, and that we have to be. That has to be the the measure of yeah. a reasonable person. Am I right? really like, going to go into battle here and yeah. waste my time? And you know, three hours goes by, and I'm having an argument with somebody I don't even know. But yeah. yeah, so I mean, like, uh, you know, travel we talked about, but competition, like, what do you think? Like, how do you feel? You know, your black belt's coming up soon. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, it, it's around the corner when, uh, what, what's your professor's Roberto? name? Roberto? Yeah, when, yeah. when, Roberto, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> or, or his nickname's Patino. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> Joe, Joe's nearly a black belt in jujitsu, but, uh, still a white belt in pronouncing Portuguese. <laughs> yeah, Portuguese. <laughs> Or Brazilian names. Yeah, but he, you know, he made it very clear. He's like, next time, Black Belt Joe. Yeah. And he sounded just like that. It's pretty good. <laughs> I uh, went I went back to that ramen restaurant. Oh, and, you did? Yeah, the, oh. uh, like uh, maybe three weeks ago. And I was like, normal size, please. <laughs> Joe and I went and got ramen with his, uh, his, his professor. And... We're like, oh yeah, we're all super hungry. We just trained, and we all ordered the huge size yeah, ramen. Yeah. And everyone, and, everyone in there was like, oh, you're gonna get that size. And we thought the ones that they had was the big size because yeah. they they had these noodles, right? It was like Okinawa soba noodles with all this pork and meat on it. And we're like, oh, that must be the big size. <laughs> so we say we're getting the big one. They're like, oh, yeah. And I, I for people outside of Japan, Japan has this idea of like waste not, want not, called motainai. Right, it's yep. very important in Japan. I think uh, it came out of the war too. People were starving to death. People didn't have enough to eat. So it's like you should never waste. Don't be anything, wasteful. Yeah. Right. And I, I try to subscribe to that as a person. I've never felt so bad. We ordered those huge ramens. <laughs> I they, felt fine. Well, yeah. not really. I was full, but I, I ended up eating all my, all my food. Yeah. yeah. But it, it came out. I, yeah. <laughs> I only finished like half of my meal. I, I felt horrible. I I wasted so much food. There's that hung- shit was so huge. It's like my parents told me when a kid, like as a kid, you know, there's starving people in the world, and you're not going to clean your plate. Like, yeah. Not so, only that, you actually you added more to yours. Right. I think he's like, 
how much garlic do you want? I'm like, all the garlic. And then I regretted that. So I got the normal one and this time and I did finish it all. And I, you know, I hopefully uh, avenged or made up. I made up for uh, my, my previous transgressions. I think after there. that, I went straight home to the toilet. <laughs> but yeah, so, so you're, you're on the, the precipice. We'll use a big 25 cent word there. You're on the precipice of, of becoming a black belt. I mean, you know, let's not kid ourselves. Like you're there already. You, well, you I have, appreciate that. Yeah. You have, uh, you know, what, like 30 years of grappling experience, um, you know, all, all of this. So one, I guess, how's that feel? And then how are you going to feel like competing? When are you going to feel? Cause it, it's always weird, right? Like no, nobody, once you're a black belt, it's like, oh man, like shit's real. Right. You know, there, yeah. there's like, you know, who else is a black belt? Like, <laughs> Gordon Ryan, right? Yeah. Like there, think, there's all these well, guys. So the level of competition. I'll probably be 40 when yeah. I get it. Right. So for me, there is no pressure. I'm already downhill. Masters three. I, yeah. I've been downhill, you know, for like the last few years now anyway. So for me, the way I see it, if I get my black belt m- mentally for me and my perspective is that it took me over 30 years to get this black belt in perspective. Yeah. Right since I've been doing judo um, as a kid. So there's no there's no pressure. For me, it's like, yeah, okay, I, mean, that, I, I got that's my good. black right. like It's it, just another day. That, that, I mean, that's what it should be, continues. right? It doesn't, it, it doesn't change anything. I think the people that think they're going to feel really different after they, like, change from one belt to another are – or the ones that quit yeah. because like it doesn't it doesn't feel any different, right? The only like, thing I have to prove is is to myself that I can continue to show up and get better, yeah, and and, and be a better person and, and be a better instructor, friend, mentor to people who want to come and join and train with Damn, us. Damn, Joe, you're you're a black belt I, in adulting yeah. too. Like you're you're adulting <laughs> the fuck out of life. No, that's that's I. But that's just the maturity too. I think right. there's a lot of pressure for a young kid who gets their black belt, like an Anthony Ayala. <laughs> Right, because there's a lot. Shout out to Shout Anthony, out to Ayala. Anthony Ayala. Ayala. Fuck you. Fuck you for putting me in that. Uh, 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 what do you call it? Bow and arrow choke. <laughs> but you know, someone like that who's 21, 22, you right. know, you get your black belt. They have and, something to prove, but yeah. like, you know, that's it's like jujitsu is what you do, but it's not all that you do, right? It's not how you don't come home and look in the mirror and you're like, "Fuck, I got beat up on the mats today." Like, I'm not a, I'm not a man or whatever, yeah. right? Like. And that, yeah, I mean, that's that's where you want to be. Judo, and particularly in Japan, is like that too. You you learn the fundamentals of judo. You learn your kata. You know, you pay the the, the nimayan for the test, and you get your shodan. The shodan means beginning, but it doesn't mean you're a fucking badass, right? The real challenge is: can you continue to show up and get better, compete, challenge yourself? You know, help the help the people around you, help your community. So, like for me, th- this is something that's just been ingrained in me. So it's not about you know, do I have an ego? Yeah, I think everyone's got an ego, but <clears throat> but I mean, it's like a a healthy level, right? It's a like, healthy yeah. level. It, I mean, it's fun to talk shit to each other on the mats, like yeah, but, that stuff's you know, just fun, right? right? Yeah. But it's not a it's not a big dick measuring contest. Like we're yeah. not gonna, you know, we're not gonna go <laughs> and beat our wives or something <laughs> over over that, right? Yeah, it's uh. It's funny that you mentioned about that, you know, learning jujitsu and becoming very skilled and it can be with the wrong person, right? I saw this video one time that was posted on YouTube, uh, John Donaher talking about, you know, oh, there's people that say that uh, jujitsu makes you a better person. He's like, well, I would disagree. You know, you can be a good person and learn jujitsu 
and take that and do something po- you know something positive but you have a lot of assholes and bad people who learn jujitsu and and that's kind of scary too but there's I, nothing you really do about it i really like that japanese idiom which i couldn't say in japanese but how you do one thing is how you do everything, right? right. So if you come into jujitsu and you're a good person, you're no, you're not a wife beater, you're not a misogynist, you're not a pedophile or whatever else. Like you're going to continue to not be those things in jujitsu. Jujitsu is not going to, you know, turn someone who beats their wife into a good person all of a sudden. No, it's just right. going to make them like a more competent wife beater. And I, that's that's definitely like we, you know, we've talked like opening a gym or whatever, it's really, uh, it's a hard thing. Like I would never want to turn somebody who's an asshole into a more competent asshole, right? Like you, and it's a, it's a weird thing about combat sports, right? Like how do you screen those people out? I, I just, I have no, I don't have the answer there at all. Yeah. Well, if it'll be hard, right? Do you, do you get to really know, your students or people on and a, that's like on a people are like, oh, level. my jujitsu family. Like, but but are you really family, or are you just some you dudes just who pain. get together for an hour and a half? Like, right. and you know, <laughs> well, and that's why you see people get kicked out. Yeah. And then it's you know, it's it's two different stories, right? Someone says, well, it was because he didn't like me, and you know, maybe I was just too good, or whatever it is, yeah. or there was a miscommunication, or maybe he really was, he or she was an asshole. Yeah. And there was a dark side to them and, and a, a bad apple within the group. And so it's like, hey, I don't want this culture being ruined by one person. So you kick them out. Or they just leave and then they, they shut you off from social media yeah. <laughs> and say that they rolled with 20 black belts and, you know. <laughs> I, I think I think gym culture and like, you you know, I come, I come to drop in at, at your gym and you can see it's a good culture, right? Like people... I can feel people aren't trying to hurt me. Like, you know, they're trying to have a hard role or whatever, but no one, no one's out for blood like that. That is a reflection on you. You know, that's right. uh that, that, that is what you want in a gym. Like that's, you know, that's yeah. really good. I think it's important. And I think that's probably one of the things that's hard for a very competitive gym is like people can't separate that maybe competitive dog eat dog mindset from like, you know, the rest of life. It's not easy too running it. You know, I can I can see how other people maybe when they leave, you know, we've had people leave other gyms or whatever and they come join us and they're complaining about somebody else, but <clears throat> you know, I I don't know, I try to put myself in that other person's shoes like, yeah, it's not easy running a gym and, you know, I don't know. I don't think there is no right or wrong answer. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's not a cookie care cu- yeah. cookie cutter scenario, so, yeah. right? You just can't you you don't have like step one step two to running a good gym like it's I mean it, I think it I think it's very much a reflection of the person on top yeah like what, for sure what you're doing from there and uh, I think that's like you know go go back we probably this uh, might set a record for your longest episode <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so no. we're getting close though we're getting close yeah but to go back and look at like what we're talking about before with the Me Too movement and everything else like you. You have to have a responsive person on top who is like looking out for the best interest. And it's really weird here, like, you know, in the states where you might have 20, 30, 40% mix of uh, men to women, like here we have very few women who train with us. But it's like you, you have to look out for, for the ladies, like, not like 
having them avoid hard rolls or anything right. else, but making sure just like creepers aren't out there. Yeah. You know, people just come to the gym to hang out with the ladies. Right. right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's like, you know, you, you have a brand new female white belt start and the, you know, guy who's our size or bigger, you know, some big strong Marine, like that's a blue belt or something can just put them in any position they want. Right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like, I have three daughters. Like I don't, you know, I want jujitsu to be for everyone. Well, like still you want a hard roll, you get a hard roll, but there's nothing, there's nothing sexual about jujitsu and there shouldn't be. Yeah. No, I agree. And, and maybe, you know, there's some gyms who have women classes only yeah, and some that don't. And it's, you know, it's hard to see what, what works, what doesn't work. But I guess, you know, it all depends on who, on how they're comfortable. You know, I always tell people, like, even when they go back to the States and they're about to, you know, uh, maybe they start jujitsu here in Japan or Okinawa. It was like the very first time. And now they're going to go back to the States. They're going to have a lot of choices of gyms and things that they're going to, you know, be exposed to, like maybe in California, right? I always tell them just, you know, surf around, see see what the gym culture is like and see which one you feel like you will be most comfortable in with the instructor and the people and all that. And I think that's the that's the issue is women women have come and said, Hey man, your your gym culture's fucked up and like, you know, I saw there's an issue with Hodger Gracie's gym, there's an issue at fight sports, like mm-hmm. all over Delahiva, you saw like hit one of his black belts was like he's been sexually assaulting me for years. That's yeah, the one I was yeah. Yeah, they're like, What are you gonna call Delahiva guard? They're like, you know, <laughs> sexual offender guard or whatever, like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you know, we're we're laughing, but we're not trying to make light of it, right? right yeah. It's it's a terrible situation, but it's like those are the th- things that that is like a gym. gym I, I I think he said, you know, Delahiva, who's like whatever coral belt or something, right? He's like, oh, I don't train with women. No women are welcome here at my gym. So instead of like having a reckoning and saying, man, I'm like fucked up. I've been doing fucked up things, which probably no one ever says, right? No one's ever that that introspective or introspective mm-hmm. to uh, to deal with themselves. It's like much easier just to be like, "Oh no, that person's fucked up." But from the top, you have to you have to be responsive. If somebody came to you and said, "Man, this you know, freaking so and so you know was doing this to me," like you can't you you got to take them at their word for it. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. It's a it's a it's a very tough situation. I mean, also. Like opening a gym, you know, we talk about opening a gym, like that's a massive liability you're opening yourself to. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many um, aspects to the gym stuff that we, you know, you, Jacob and I really need to sit down and, and talk about those things. Yeah, for sure. Everything and from pricing no, no, to, to no marketing. Beer, no to, beers. Yeah. No involved. beers. Because <laughs> fuck, speaking about beers, um, we're drinking IPAs right now. Um, which, what's this one? A peach? This is a, uh, no, a cuvee gold, a Dude, white wine barrel aged Belgian shit, style golden ale. That shit ale. right there yeah. is one of my fucking favorites right there. Yeah. This thing is so good. What the, uh, alcohol percentage is, uh, is off the charts. Something 12. It, was it, I thought it was like seven. Oh no. So sorry. 9.6%. Oh, 9.6%. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Cause I thought we were going to be like obliter- obliterated. 30 minutes 30 minutes into this podcast i'm stumbling stumbling all, all over my words that's just because I, I don't know how to talk but 
You've been having me talk so much that I I haven't done that much well, drinking. Well, you're a talker. I'm not. Yeah. But I'm not fucked up yet. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. But uh, speaking about getting fucked, I'm just up, awkward <laughs> if there's dead air. The good thing about this is that we're in an AC environment. If we were doing like a podcast, which we wouldn't outside, <laughs> we'd in, be in, sweating, in, sweating our balls off. Yeah. I would be so fucked up. I'd be gone. The worst combination for me is training in the morning. I'm, and I'm so dehydrated. It doesn't matter if I'm drinking a whole bunch of, you know, uh, sports drinks or whatever it is. And then we go outside and we have a barbecue and I'm just sweating. I'm sweating from setting up. I'm sweating from grilling. But at the same time, I'm hydrating with alcohol. Dude, I black out. I don't even know what happens. Well, it's like when you have that hard Friday night and then you wake up on Saturday and mm-hmm. have a hard Saturday. Like, you know, today I didn't train last night. Today was pretty reasonable, right? Yeah. You know, maybe what? six, seven rounds, something like yeah. that. But it's like when you just go and go and go and then like you stand up at the end and you're a little lightheaded <laughs> yeah. and then you you don't eat right away because you're getting the grill ready and then you have a beer. It's like, oh, I might die right now. So, um, you know, we had that uh, barbecue on 4th of July weekend. Yeah. You know, we had open mat and then we went down and uh, we uh, we set up the, uh, the grill and all that stuff. I'm sweating, I'm drinking. I'm like, this is going to go bad. And sure enough, like... That that four hours, I don't remember that, that at all. That's probably the most messed up I've ever seen you. Yeah. You you were <laughs> you were pretty drunk. So much so that like at eight p.m. we're still there, and everyone's playing a, a board game. On you know they got they stacked all the coolers together and they're playing. I was a board like, game. hey Joe, you want to ride home? He, he looks at over at me and I can see there's. I can see there's no recognition in his eyes. I'm like, you all right? He's like, I'm just going to sleep in my car, man. So I wake up. I'm sleeping in someone's, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, the hammock? Yeah. And I and I wake up. It's like 8 o'clock at night. They got the fire going, lights on, and they're playing a board game. And like, I realized that I missed whatever happened <laughs> for the last five, six hours. And you're like, I'm still drunk. <laughs> Fast forward six weeks later, I'm spearfishing in the morning. I was off for a week. You know, Ken, the short yeah, Japanese yeah, guy. Yeah. We're spearfishing. Um, I, I would have I, described Ken as the very skilled judo, judo player, player but, that throws you yeah. around on your head, but yeah. his, his jujitsu sucks. I also would I love have you, said, Ken. Yeah, we love you, Ken. <laughs> I have nicer things to say about you than Joe Sensei. So, anyways, we're spearfishing, right? At the spot over at Kadena. Yeah. That you and I would yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, after, you know, we're, where you're like, I don't want this octopus. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We cooked it. Motai nine, man. Motai nine. <laughs> so Ken and I, after we're done, we didn't catch. Oh, he caught something. I didn't. Typical. And uh, we're 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 uh, changing over. We're you know cleaning our gear. And I look in his trunk, and he has this big bag of um, of charcoal, King's King's yeah, yeah. charcoal, right? And I go, Ken. What do you, why do you have a big bag of just Kingford's charcoal in, in the back of your car? And he looked at me and he said, you gave it to me during the barbecue. <laughs> and I said, I did? He's like, yeah, you're like giving away food. You're like, here, take this charcoal here. And Amy's like, yeah, motte, motte, io, io. I was like, dude, I have no recollection of that. So here we are that was a good time though it was really it was fun. really good time it was fun in the beginning yeah from what i remember the the middle part was also good but yeah i do remember you leaving i remember saying i love you brother <laughs> i'll see you later <laughs> oh man this is good stuff here yeah.
Uh, this Hardywood, man. I like this this brand. And they're Virginia, right? Yeah, yeah. All all nearly all the beer that uh, Grayson brings in is uh, from Virginia. And he's from Virginia. Yeah, he's from okay. Virginia originally. Did he go to Georgetown? Did you tell me that before? Yeah, I, I believe he went to Georgetown. He's uh, you know he's quite fancy and well educated, unlike either of us. Either <laughs> of us, yeah. yeah. It's a new label, huh? Yeah. So it's like uh, I, you know. I enjoy beer. I feel like, oh, I can tell a good beer or bad beer, but he's one of those very well, uh, he has a well-honed palate where he can say, oh, you know, I, I taste notes of, uh, you know, nutty notes and funky notes of this and that. And <laughs> Really? Uh, he's very selective about what he brings in and makes sure that, you know, he's only bringing in spectacular beers. Yeah, I don't think I've had a, a beer that from them that I didn't like. Well... That tangerine one. <laughs> the tangerine. <laughs> shout out to Tangerine Sun Crush. Yeah. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't my yeah, I'm, kind of kind I'm of not beer. a big tangerine person either. Yeah. That's that's not my thing. It's like a a very and I guess it's not even a beer. It's some a sparkling ale, whatever that means. You know, it's probably like a lower <laughs> lower lower tax rate or something, right? But uh but it's a really good like you're out in the hot sun kind of yeah. like throwing frisbees and barbecuing. It's a good good drink for that, but not I can see that in Virginia. Yeah, it's not, not a, so much so in Okinawa. Yeah, no. It's not a good sit down beer. Yeah. I uh yeah, I had a couple, I was like, mm, yeah. And then I, I brought some into work and yeah, actually my coworkers really liked it. They really liked it. I was like, Good. I got I got two more six packs at home. Yeah. I'll bring you some more. <laughs> I'll bring you some more. <laughs> but this peach one, man, this cuvee, did that yeah. say it? Yeah. Oh, man, this shit, this is the I shit. I think you got that, la- you got the last case of the yeah. peach, too. I'm like, save me one. And Joe Joe did not <laughs> save me when he drank them all. I uh, I gave one to my boss, and uh, she brought it back home. She said her husband, like, got halfway through and was passed out. <laughs> well, it's like, the, you know, you guys can't see, but there's a cork in the bottle. You know, when you get a beer... Yeah. That's sealed with a cork, like you know, it's a fancy beer, right? It makes <laughs> makes me feel uh, makes me feel pretty fancy. I gotta take a picture of this. I'll post this later on. All right, the, yeah. On the social it can media be, it'll be you. it'll be on the show notes. <laughs> Wait, hold on. There we go. So uh, yeah, what what else we have? Anything else here to talk about? Now we talked about Hokkaido, Afghanistan, China, things we've missed since COVID. Orion Beer Fest. Yeah, Orion Beer Fest for Matsuri sure. season. I, I, I love showing up in my shorts and t-shirt and making fun of all the gaijin in Jinbei. Yeah, you know, Jinbei and, <laughs> and Yukatas. Um, there's been some creative ones. There's some, like, gaijins who wear the Jinbei and they dress like a chondara. They have, like, the white paint on their face yeah. with the black eyebrows. Um, <clears throat> I th- You know, I think Chris, I think Chris, I've seen, definitely seen Chris and a Jinbei. Chris at, Chapman? Yeah, yeah, at the hey, Orion Beer Festival. I'm guilty. I love my Jinbei. Yeah. I love my Jinbei when I was the only one wearing a Jinbei. The good thing about a Jinbei is when I was 305 pounds, like I still wear the same size Jinbei as I wear now. Like they, they have a very stretchy is waist. Five L. Yeah, something like that. So, size enormous, but uh, but yeah, I. It's really cool to wear a jimbe if you're the only gaijin and like all around Japanese people in a jimbe. But like when you're in Okinawa, you're never <laughs> just by in, yourself. You're always around a bunch of other gaijin. So it always just looks in, out of place to you me. You could get away with it if you were in Naha 
right? Yeah. Or maybe up north at a right. Matsuri. But if you're in Okinawa City, yeah. Yeah. which is by, you know, Kadena Air Base, by Foster, you know, it's central. Yeah. It just yeah. looks like you're trying to pull, uh, man, who, who's the actor that did the uh, the Last Samurai? Oh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. yeah. I, always, I think his name's Nate Hallgren in that, right? Oh, like, so I, Yeah, I always feel like, you know, I'm pulling a Nate Hallgren and <laughs> I'm out Japan, trying to out Japanese the Japanese people. You know, it's like, yeah. Do you have a favorite Matsuri or anything? Like, and it doesn't have to be Okinawa. So, I mean, I... You know, a, a good good photography friend of mine uh, went around to almost every every major. Who's that? Um, Chris Wilson. Chris shout Will- out to Chris <laughs> Wilson. Oh, shout yeah. out Chris. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Chris Wilson's been all over to you know all the random Matsuri all over Japan, and especially like now now it's really hard. I mean, I say now, but before COVID, they've all sort of uh, the popular ones have been taken over by Gaijin too. It's it's weird. Like Matsuri's have become a tourist attraction, not like a real celebration, which is what they used to be. It was a time when people could go let their hair down and just enjoy themselves. And now it's like uh, become a tourist attraction, a time for places to make money, get on get on NHK, you know, get on the news, (laughs) which is a problem. the The best Matsuri's are the smaller, authentic ones. I think on Okinawa, it's like the tug of war sucks. Like you go down, yeah. they yell at you. It has all these rules, right? Like I, I love, I love the environment, but when it's like too constricted, it just doesn't feel real or authentic. Itaman has uh, their own tug of war, or maybe it's Tomigusuku. I'm not sure, but there's a there's another tug of war down south, much smaller than the the one in Naha. That's you know the world record setting Guinness Book of World Records. In Itaman, yeah. That I I really enjoyed that. That's uh that's much more fun, more small local. Yeah, small. I, I like, like those ones. And you don't see, you know, like I don't want to hate on other gaijin because I'm clearly you're a, gaijin. a gaijin hater. Yeah. You're a gh. Yeah. <laughs> but like when you go to a place and you look, or, you know, you go to what you think is like an authentic Japanese festival, and then. 60% of the people there are other foreigners yeah. may, maybe or maybe not in Jimbe's like it it really just sucks. So yeah. that is uh the one the Itaman tug of war is like much it's much fewer foreigners and like it's people just out to have a good time not yeah. like not set a Guinness world it's record. It's like the town the town yeah. Matsuri, right? Yeah. It's yeah. There's one up here, uh, right up the hill. It's um, right across the street from the Shiok Show, the city office. Yeah, it's actually base property, right? So the anti-base right. that's right across the street uses that as a parking lot and for baseball games. But they have a Matsuri there, and that's like a fun one to watch because it's you know small, low key. Um, maybe you'll see one other gaijin come through, but. It's uh, what what's also funny about it is that there's people who are like anti-base there. They got like no base written on their face, like some of the chondadas and stuff. But it's a fun festival, you know, very intimate. It's yeah, fun. it's right. The I mean, you know, like we talked about all the things we're missing, but but traveling, you know, Okinawa is uh is such a fun place, like. Even though it's so small, you know, it li- Okinawa lives like a village. Like you can't get away from anyone here you know you 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 piss your wife off and you bump into her cousin you know 
out drinking or whatever else. Like everybody knows everyone in Okinawa, but uh, you know the the cool thing is because it lives like a village. There's all these fun little things going on, which none of them have been happening because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. It just yeah. It feel it feels stifling. I was gonna say I don't miss something. What was it? Fuck, I forget. Damn it. <laughs> Freedom Fest Freedom. on Kadena Air Base. Yeah. <laughs> Fatema Flight <Yeah>. Line Fair. <laughs> yeah, I do like the Orion Beer Festival though. No, it's yeah. a, I you know, I used to always go to it and I probably I stopped going for five or six years uh and then came back because jujitsu people were there and it's like, yeah, I want to go, yeah. you know, hang out with jujitsu people. Yeah. And yeah, it was it was a good time. Like I definitely moderated how much I drank because back in the day, like 10 years ago, you know, it's just like drink until you're blacked out. Oh, spent. you don't do that anymore? <laughs> well, I, I I still do do it. Apparently I, just, I do. Yeah. I just try and do it less. You know what? That's actually one of my fondest memories of you because that's when we first really got to know each other, I think, um, about maybe three years ago. Yeah. About three years ago. Um, you, your wife were there. That's when I first met Elton and actually had a conversation with him. Uh, Jim was there. Uh, Mike. Uh, Omar. Omar. Yeah. Omar. Yeah. Yeah. Omar. Mike. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Brady Bunch family. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Oki Beard. Uh, uh, Oki Beard. Shout out to Oki Beard. Shout out to Oki Beard. I forget his uh, last name. I yeah. can't. Yeah. I don't know why I can't uh, think of it right now. Sink. There yeah. Mike Sink. Mike Sink. Yeah. yeah. His his wife's a sweetheart too, man. Yeah, definitely. I miss Sakai Machi. I miss I, going down to Naha and hanging out and drinking. Sakai Machi is like it's old school Okinawa. Like for anyone that's not been there, like I love a a tight narrow alley. Maybe yep. smells like piss and shit. Yep. You know, it's like old school Okinawa, and that's where bunch of hole in the wall places. Yeah, yeah, Joe and I like to go. You know, some places there's only like three or four seats in there. Um, but just amazing food everywhere you go in, people treat you like, you know, they've known you for years. Sometimes they do, you know, it's a, it's a, a great time. And yeah, here it is. We haven't been there for a long time yeah. now. Yeah. Amy actually went, um, maybe about six years ago, six months ago, what, six years ago, definitely <laughs> before COVID six months ago. Um, gosh, it was, I think it was for her, uh, her birthday or something. She went with her, her daughter-in-law. But, um, yeah, she said it was dead. No one was there. There was no COVID happening over there for sure. Yeah. I, I've walked through, it was right before this state of emergency. So alcohol could be served till 7 PM. Everywhere had to close at eight and Izumi was at her cousin's getting a haircut. So I was walking around Naha and, you know, probably red zone, probably not allowed to walk (laughs) down there, but you know, walking around, staying outside, not going in anywhere. And it was, uh, most of it was dead, but the places that were open were surprisingly packed. Yeah. Yeah. We went, um, there's a little spot too down uh, in Heiwa Dodi to the right. It's probably not even Heiwa Dodi, but I go through Heiwa Dodi and, uh, a bunch of like little yatais, like standing bars too. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. So much fun. But it was the same thing. It was like 7.30, like last order for alcohol. And Amy were like, we want six beers, <laughs> like and 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 four four uh, lemon sours. <laughs> I remember I went to some all you can drink place years ago down in uh, 
you know, I guess Naha Ruosue and they came like last order. It's like, yeah, we want eight more beers. And then they brought him out. By the time they brought him out, like we're all so drunk and miserable. It's like, I can't drink any of these. <laughs> That's the thing too about like you go, you do a nomikai. Uh, you pay for the nomikai yeah. plan, and then it's like some some people say, or some izakais will say, you have to finish the beer first before yeah. you can order another one. And then there's some where it's like, how many beers you want? I'm like, ah, give me ten. Yeah, bring ten out right now. Yeah, uh, but it's, like, it's multi nine. Right, yeah, I mean, like it's fine when they pace you if they're quick about it, right? But it's like right. when you order a beer and it takes ten minutes. It's like, bro, I've been sitting here thirsty for yeah. you know ten minutes. What's going on? Bring out the Western invention, the pitcher. Yeah, I I wonder what how you know we Miyako, which claims to be the worst COVID in all of the world. Again, that's now been fact checked, but uh, I wonder how Ishigaki, where you know we were there six months ago, maybe allegedly. Yeah, allegedly, allegedly there six months ago, and could have been six years ago. <laughs> We, I mean, we felt a little guilty going around, but everyone we talked to was like, thank you for coming. We need the business. And, you know, we're still very, very COVID aware, definitely like wearing our masks outside. Um, social distancing. Yeah, social distancing, yep. trying trying to follow, if not the letter of the law, the spirit of the law, right? And uh, I wonder how they're doing. Like it's, yeah, it, it's crazy. Okinawa is so dependent on tourism but I see, like, uh, I, I was over at, on on James' deck the other day, and right behind his house is a big hotel, and that place looked packed. Like, I, I don't know who I don't know who looks like. I look at Hokkaido, and it's like I can go to Hokkaido and get get away from everyone. Yeah. I don't know who looks and is like I'm going to go to Okinawa. I'm going to go to the Holly Kalani Hotel <laughs> and uh, Kokusai Dori. Like, who who thinks that it's a good idea? to come down here right now. You know, the governor specifically asked, please stop traveling this and that. And people are still coming. And I mean, I don't, I don't blame them. Like I've been traveling too, you know, I don't want to be the pot calling the kettle black, but now does not seem like the best time to come to Okinawa. Yeah, no, I agree. Maybe, you know, it could be just like they're like us. They they need to get out and they yeah. see they think of Okinawa as this, you know, everybody, sunny paradise. Right. And, everybody has COVID exhaustion at this point. Like we've been you cannot tell people to lock down for three months yeah. and okay. uh not be paying businesses to close and everything else and then it just expect them to continue on like it's right. normal. You know, maybe in their mind, it's okay. I'm I'm gonna come down here and I'm gonna go to some resort where they're, they're, I'm not gonna be with the actual people of Okinawa. I'm Meanwhile, be at this my AC is like blowing. The, the old man, <laughs> old man next door's AC is like <laughs> shared with mine. I'm getting his coughs all blown yeah. into my room, my four yeah. or five hundred dollar night room. Do you know Miyagi? Miyagi-san, the, I mean, from Jiu-Jitsu. I don't think he's so. he's a black belt. Got his black belt recently. Where where does he normally train? Padestra. Okay, but he's uh, usually at Koza sometimes. I, I think I met him. Yeah, I don't know him well. He got COVID uh, a couple months ago, and I asked him because we we're at, at a Nomikai, and I'm sitting, <laughs> I'm sitting right next to him. He's like, "Yeah, I just got over COVID, you know, a week ago." I'm like, oh, "Okay, great, yeah." I was like, "How'd you get it?" He's like, oh, you know, I was hanging out at a Kavakuda. <laughs> if you guys don't know what a Kavakuda is, that's like a a night like a classy Ka- cabaret right yeah cabaret yeah 
Yeah, basically like a fancy snack, right? Women sit with you. He's in, you know, uh, what is it, Matsuyama? And Naha. my kids are like, "Have you ever been to a snack?" And I was like, "Did you snack's tell- not sexual? I swear." <laughs> Did you tell him? Yeah, and I sang karaoke with a six-year-old woman. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. I, I I mean para para was closed uh three, four yeah, weeks ago because uh, yeah, everybody infection. got it. Yeah. Did Kazu we, say he got it? No, I don't think I don't think he did. Uh which is like, you know, bad for him because he works in a hospital. Right. right. As far as far as I know, he's been busting his ass at the hospital like working nonstop, which is probably why he uh he didn't get it. But you know, we're down there for that that seminar. That seminar. Yeah. Uh <laughs> Eight, 18 months ago, we're at a seminar now. So what was that? March, I want to say, we're there, right? Was it March? I want to say it was earlier than that because it was humid as fuck, bro. May oh, so or, more recently. May so June, May, right? Yeah, May or June. Yeah. I don't know, but we're there and it's like, oh, it's okay. Take your mask off. And I'm like, man, none of these people, like I have my vaccine, <laughs> but none of these people have even had a chance to get it. Yeah, yeah. Well, they never really closed. They've been they've been getting at it, yeah, ever since. So well, right. It, that's where a lot of gyms here last June, you know, now more than a year ago, June twenty twenty closed for a month or two. But yeah, Parastra, from what I understand, they never closed down. I can't believe that we can still train right now on base. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can't believe either. And it's like I'm over at Kadena. You know, the open mat will will allegedly go to two tomorrow. <laughs> depending on how much more we drink and i i see guys walking by and giving me the stink eye like why is this motherfucker not have a mask on in there it's like well i'm doing jujitsu and you know apparently yeah it's okay to do it it's okay yeah you just can't have class i i walked in and they have a thing 100 percent id check everyone checks in and so i go to sign in the list they're like oh are you going in the weight room i'm like i'm going to the mat room like you don't even need to sign in have a have a nice day like thank you very much i can't believe i'm doing this well everyone else who's lifting weights has to wear a mask right yeah and sign in yeah all all the better reason not to lift weights (laughs) yeah remember when they were talking about last year like oh we're gonna start opening up the gym jujitsu is okay and then everyone wrestling people complain wrestling but not even that like basketball people like how come i can't go play basketball on the court but you're saying jujitsu is okay I almost put, because I'm an asshole, I almost put BLM, Basketball Lives Matter. <laughs> but, yeah. I was going to ask you something. John Oshell, what's his name? You know what I'm talking about. The the Oji-san, Gaijin Oji-san that lives out here. Maybe I'm oh, pronouncing uh, No, Rob Oshley. Why did I think his name was John? Because I'm fucked know. up. Yeah. Rob Oshley, yeah, that guy's an interesting cat. He is a you. I, I mean, Dude, I want him yeah. on this podcast. Would you come? Yeah, with me. Oh, sure. And like, sure. Would, and I'll, I'll I'll put you in contact. He's a he's another Yomi Ten Gaijin. You know, <laughs> shout out to Yomi Ten Gaijins. Y Town. Yeah. How do you know him? Uh, so through photography. Okay. We, you know, uh, so Luna, you know Luna. I know Luna. Right? So uh, Luna, a couple other people, and I were really big into cameras and photography back in the day. And he's like, he ran a photography business. He has, 
uh, three daughters, but he's been here since like 70, 72 or something. Came as like a pharmacist uh, assistant in the army back when Lester was still a uh, army hospital. Mm-hmm. Active duty. So Active he, okay. duty. Okay. Yeah, came here. And so he was supposed to go to Vietnam, but they were sh- so short-staffed in the pharmacy, never went to Vietnam. He came, then he got out, uh, was going to be a missionary. And, you know, so stayed here as a missionary to preach the world, word of God at somewhere. He lost his uh, focus and, you know, is now now an atheist. <laughs> Good but, for him. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 So uh, his wife's still very religious. You know, I think just retired. Wife's looking on? Yeah. Okay. Just retired a year or two ago from uh, t- from working at OCSI. Oh, so he was OCSI. No, no, he he he. Did, oh, his wife. He, yeah, his wife. Oh, his, his wife. Oh, okay. His wife worked at okay. the uh, one of the offices. So there. Did, is he a retiree? No, no. He, he he only did like four or five years in the army, and then he, uh, yeah, got out of the army. Here was like, I will minister to these heathen Okinawans, and like, <laughs> you know, he was already in love with the place. Um, but yeah, at some point met his wife, and then uh, ran a very successful photography business for years. And you, you met him at my, yeah, my I, at party your, years uh, ago. Yeah. Thanksgiving. Yeah, Thanksgiving, yeah. like three years ago, yeah. right? The last pre-COVID <laughs> Thanksgiving party. But uh, but yeah, quite a character, really, really friendly guy. And man, he knows he knows more about Okinawa than like 99% of yeah. Okinawans. You know, he he goes all over, like looks for new waterfalls, finds old, you know, he'll have... He's like, in 1981, I, I just saw the other day, he's like, 1981, I heard of a triple waterfall in Ginoza. I've been looking for it since then. I finally found the trailhead, but it's overgrown. Like, who wants to come with me to help, you know, That's bushwhack? That's insane, yeah. But yeah, he's a, he's a real good guy, character, yeah. Uh, he just knows so much, like, history. Yeah. Like, he's done his research, and he'll post things like, you know, this is back in 1967, and da 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 da. He's super pro Okinawan too. He like he hates Japan. Like maybe, <laughs> maybe hates too strong of a word, but he's like very just not into it. Huh? Well, right. Just he the, has a very he like he's he loves Okinawa so much, and you know, o- Okinawa has been colonized by Japan, colonized by America, recolonized by, by Japan. Japan. Yeah. It's you know, been pushed around by all the big powers in, you know, in the, the theater. And so he has a lot of, lot of love for the Okinawan perspective, I guess is a good way to put yeah. it. But yeah. Okinawan people have been through shit, man. They have. Yeah. They have for sure. That book I, I, I showed you, um, she goes back and forth, the author, you know, a lot of it is, is like what's going on right now. And she did all of her research within like 10, 15 years when she was here in Okinawa. And uh, you know she'll go back to the past. I always know, wanted post war. I always wanted to do a photo. I mean, you know, I, I'm like fascinated with Okinawa, right? And I always wanted to do a photo shoot of like a marine pulling like a hundred dollars out of the ATM, and then like go follow that hundred dollars as it was spent. You know, and like chichis, and <laughs> you know, go around and uh, to shoot that. And I never, I, like, I came close, but never could make it happen exactly the way I wanted it to. But yeah, the the interaction uh, between base people and locals is just fascinating. Like it's unique, yeah, very unique, and and it can be good, it can be bad, bad it can yeah. be indifferent. Like and yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's weird. It, it it's so weird. 
like going up to Hokkaido, you can just tell the wealth of the people around is different because although like people get paid more, Okinawa, like the Americans are so rich here, you know, relative to mm-hmm. the, the, you know, Okinawa yeah. that they just give things away for, for free. Like you look at, you know, the, there's like a couple Okinawa free pages and uh, the thrift stores here and everything else. And the shit people give away, I'm just like shocked. Like I cannot believe someone gave this away for free. And uh, you you go to different parts of Japan where people aren't quite so wealthy and you don't see the same stuff. Yeah. But, they'll, but they're very generous too. Even if they don't have a lot, right. they'll give it away. For, for sure. I yeah. mean, I, I've been welcomed into people's homes that have essentially nothing, nothing here. Yeah. It's... Uh, I don't know. It's strange. Rob, uh, when I but first yeah. met Rob, he told the story about the uh, <laughs> taking the pictures about the goat goat, goat hair, right? Was it goat? What do you mean goat hair? <laughs> yeah, the goat hair. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That he'll, he'll have shit. to come tell that story. Oh my on god, it, on that shit podcast, had me yeah. fucking dying. And you know, if Amy's laughing and crying, <laughs> then it's a good story. Like she wasn't offended by it at all, and yeah. it was just so funny. And then he was telling the story about like the bullet, that, oh yeah, that, that the Japanese police found. No, he actually brought it to them, right? <laughs> and then it became like this whole fiasco with the police department. <laughs> he and all goes, that kind of man, stuff. you know, his Japanese is so good, and he like speaks pretty good Hogan, I think, as well. So yeah. he like goes and trolls, trolls the Japanese police <laughs> and everything else. Yeah, he's so funny, dude. I want to in his posts on that group, that group page. Um, was it the yeah, yeah I, le- I lived I in Okinawa. Okinawa. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Just like he talks about even like uh, the man-made land one time, which I thought was fascinating. How many acres of man-made land all over Okinawa from from up north up towards Okuma, Itoman, Henoko. What's well, crazy if you think you look at uh, right after the war, like Hambi, where that Hambi Sane is, mm-hmm. that was an airfield, and like there was a a generator ship that made power like right there where that sane is like that was the ocean you go up gate one was basically gate one of kadena air base was the ocean that was it like the on ocean. 58 there. yeah on yeah. 50 where yeah. 58 now is is basically was ocean. the ocean yeah it's uh it's crazy how much land they've reclaimed and of course like you know i came in 2001 all that travesty that's uh what do they call it there in American Village? The stuff that looks like Disney World. Oh, oh. yeah, Amer- American Village. No, oh. it, they can't. There's some other name for it. Depot uh, Island. Depot Island. Depot yeah, Island. there you go. But all that Depot Island was, it was like, man-made. yeah, it was just like smelled smelled like crap and was landfill. So Amy was telling me that one of their classmates from um, the Christ of Kings School uh, purchased that that uh, land. Uh-huh. For about a million dollars like 20 something years ago. And now that motherfucker <laughs> is making a buttload of fucking money. I it, it's cra- the people who have the access to money here just make so much in base rent and everything else and then like the average person just works at Sane and makes 700 yen an hour. Yeah. It's crazy. The wealth disparity created by the base is is nuts. Yeah. Damn. Do you think uh, Rob would do this? Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think think he'd absolutely do it. He would would leave uh, Inaka to come down to the city? (laughs) You you might have to take your equipment over (laughs) over to the the Y-Town. 
But does, yeah, he, does he live near you? Uh, he lives real close to that Starbucks. Uh, this Yomitan you got a Starbucks, Starbucks in Yomitan? Yeah, man, kidding. we're 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 high class over there. <laughs> I, okay, by Tori. Yeah. Okay. okay yeah, okay. by that back gate of Tori. Yeah. You said you came here in two thousand. We got a Moss Burger too. Oh shit, son! Y'all, y'all moving up in Yomitan. Yeah. Yo, I, I like Yomitan. I wouldn't mind moving over there. You, you gotta, should. You should. You That's where the future might. My, my, <laughs> The My Dojo. <laughs> my Dojo. Uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to have the a Dojo my, in Yomitan. Yeah, my BJJ, BJJ Globetrotters, Team Team Yomitan headquarters Where is going to be. Where did BJJ Globetrotters come from? Well, I mean, they, they have no affiliation, <laughs> oh, so okay. yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, we got we to break the mold. <laughs> You'd have to convince Amy to, to move up to Yomitan. She's all in. We'll, we'll find you the right property. <laughs> <laughs> I got a piece of land with some chickens on it. Oh yeah, yeah. I can build like what a one k. Uh, man, like I the <laughs> James's uh, James's Chinese neighbor built a three story house on top of land smaller than my chickens no way. live on. Yeah, really, for sure. Oh shit! You got to come over and check it out. I wanted James to come on here too. Yeah, he day. he'd be. Oh, he if might. He, hey, if he's not too drunk. <laughs> Well, you want to call it quits? Yeah, we, sure. We can go on the porch. Yeah. Drink some beers. Enjoy the sun. What's left? Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks, Lightbulb Bandit. Uh, my Man. pleasure. I'm, you know. I'm I'm holding you to it. I want Rob on the podcast. Yeah. I'll absolutely put you in touch with Rob. Yeah. I know where he lives, so we can we can <laughs> go to his house and harass him. But, uh, but, yeah. I don't know if he's down to do it, this kind of thing. You know. Maybe I can just secretly bring my phone and record him. When you're frustrated with all the things said on this podcast, especially mask wearing and vaccinations, you should at Joseph Isamu Davis <laughs> on Instagram. Also follow Michan Davis. <laughs> Michan Davis, my cat. Yeah. At Nate Adventure. Do you ever post on your Instagram? Very rarely. Very rarely. Yeah. Where'd you get eight, uh, at Nate Adventure? Because uh, you were always traveling. Yeah. I, do you have, did you used to do a blog? I did. I you, did. Don't, you don't yeah, keep up with it No, anymore? I don't. Oh, it, yeah. Was that something you were doing with your photography? Yeah, yeah. I was doing it with photography. It just like didn't. I don't know. It you know it feels like a job when you got to like type stuff up all the oh, time and yeah. like proofread it and make sure that you didn't make spelling errors. And then some random guy comes and tells you you're an idiot because you you know yeah, used but, is instead well, of are. Well, you should get back into it because nowadays it doesn't matter, right? Right. Well, I can't travel anywhere, so it's <laughs> well, hard. You know, people just communicate through, uh, you know, what do you call it, Snapchat and shit like that. Yeah. No TikTok, man. That's where, that's where it's at, yeah. son. <laughs> hey, next time you come on this podcast, I want you to talk about when you got your ass beat in Mongolia, okay? All right. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. All right. I'll talk to you later. We got we to gotta have Kyle on with us <laughs> to give the Mongolian perspective. As to why he, yeah. he tried to jump you. All right, brother. All right, peace. Thanks, man. Thank you for listening. I'd like to thank my guest, Nate. Um, appreciate it, buddy. Lightbulb Bandit. You the man. Uh, it was so much fun. Let's do it again uh, soon. Uh, I'd like to give a shout-out to our patrons on Patreon, Stacy Bell, Kazu Davis, Tato Brewer, and Daniel Olson. As always, thank you. You make this possible. Uh, oh, we're sponsored by Pacific Grappler. Go to pacificgrappler.com. Uh, the discount code is Shima Gaijin, all one word. 
And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Matane.